Welcome to your Denver City Council. Please stand by. Full coverage of your Denver City Council begins now. This afternoon's meetings being interpreted into Spanish. Sam and Vidya, would you please introduce yourselves and let our viewers know how to enable translation on their devices? Yes, thank you very much for having us once again. Hello, everyone. My name is Sam Guzman with the CLC. And along with my uh, colleague, Vidya, we will be interpreting uh, today's meeting into Spanish. I will now give the instructions in Spanish. Buenas tardes a todos. Mi nombre es Samuel Guzmán con la CLC y estamos aquí con mi colega Viria para interpretar la reunión de esta tarde en español. Si desea escuchar la reunión en español, vaya al icono de Globo en su pantalla que dice interpretación, seleccione ese icono, oprima ese botón y seleccione su idioma, en este caso uh, español, uh, y podrá escuchar la reunión en español. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. Welcome to the Denver City Council meeting of Monday, March 6th, 2023. Council members, please rise as you're able and join Councilwoman Sawyer in the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. And council members, please join Councilwoman Sawyer. She leads us in the Denver City Council land acknowledgement. The Denver City Council honors and acknowledges that the land on which we reside is the traditional territory of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. We also recognize the 48 contemporary tribal nations that are historically tied to the lands that make up the state of Colorado. We honor elders past, present, and future, and those who have stewarded this land throughout generations. We also recognize that government, academic, and cultural institutions were founded on and continue to enact exclusions and erasures of indigenous peoples. May this acknowledgement demonstrate a commitment to working to dismantle ongoing legacies of oppression and inequities and recognize the current and future contributions of indigenous communities in Denver. Thank you so much. Um, Mr. Secretary, roll call, please. Kitabaka. Here. Black? Here. Clark? Here. Flynn? Here. Gilmore? Herndon? Here. Hines? Here. Cashman? Here. Kanich? Here. Ortega? Sandoval? Sawyer? Here. Madam President? Here. Ten members, excuse me, ten members present. There are 10 members present. Council has a quorum. Approval of the minutes. Are there any corrections to the minutes of February 27th? Seeing none, the minutes stand approved. Uh, council announcements. Are there any announcements today? Councilwoman Sawyer. Thanks, Madam President. Just a reminder that we are going to be hosting a community meeting on Wednesday evening of this week online um, to discuss potential ADUs in Montclair. Thanks. Thank you very much. Seeing no one else in queue. Uh, there are no presentations. Oh, spoke too soon. Councilwoman Kanich. 
Sorry, Council President. Thank you very much. I forgot where the button was. Um, I would like to invite community to attend a virtual briefing on the Construction Careers Program. This is a program that has been in pilot form for the last several years, bringing residents of our city who need jobs the most um, access to apprenticeship training and other supports for careers in construction, building the projects that our taxpayers are actually funding, whether that be um, new recreation centers or transportation projects here in our city. If they're worth $10 million or more, we are trying to train residents to actually work on those projects. And so we're doing two virtual sessions. One was this morning. The next one is on Wednesday night. It's at 5.30 p.m. And if you go to um, denvergov.org and you go to the Denver Economic Development and Opportunity website, or you go to um, call uh, my office, 720-337-7712, um, um, we can get you information on how to sign up for that virtual meeting to learn more about an ordinance that Councilwoman Ortega and I are bringing along with the um, uh, Denver Office of Economic Development to actually bring those um, uh, pilot uh, requirements into ordinance so that all of our construction projects going forward will be helping to train our residents and building those careers along with our future of the city. So hope you can join us for that to learn more about the draft ordinance and give us your input. Thank you so much. Thank you. Councilman Cashman. Yeah, thank you, Madam President. Um, this year's uh, District 6 Academy will be a, a series of uh, five uh, virtual uh, presentations uh, designed to uh, present information and tools to residents to uh, uh, empower them to uh, play a more of a role in their own governance. So the first uh, presentation will be uh, next uh, Wednesday, March 15th, 6 p.m. We'll be looking at public safety from a public health perspective. We'll hear from Dr. Robert Davis uh, of the uh, Task Force to Reimagine uh, Policing and Public Safety. Uh, we'll hear from uh, uh, folks with our, our STAR program, Alternative Response. Uh, we'll hear from Jeff Holliday from the Department of Public Safety and others. So uh, please uh, pay attention to your social media, uh, get on our newsletter list and join us online uh, for a, a presentation on public safety from a public health perspective. Uh, next Wednesday, March 15th at 6 p.m. Thank you very much. Thank you. And Councilman Flynn. Thank you, Madam President. I want to quickly follow on uh, Councilwoman Kanich's uh, remarks about uh, the apprenticeship uh, issue and let folks know, as I said last week, that this Thursday at Lincoln High School at Evans and Federal 2559 South Federal Boulevard, my office in, in cooperation with many of the construction uh, uh, crafts uh, unions is sponsoring an apprenticeship outreach aimed specifically at the uh, uh, women and men in junior and senior year in high school, but also um, recent graduates who are still looking to uh, find out what they want to do uh, with their uh, with their careers. We will have uh, sheet metal workers, carpenters, electricians, plumbers, uh, pipe fitters, you name it. Um, we will give a brief presentation in the auditorium at Lincoln and then in the parking lot. Uh, many of the uh, trades are bringing uh, trailers to have hands-on experience so you can learn what uh, the potential is like. Uh, they will presenting information on their apprenticeship programs and the city's work now program will also be present. And there will be pizza 
So uh, please show up six o'clock Lincoln High School this Thursday, March 9th, 2559 South Federal Boulevard and explore a career in the construction trades. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you. The calling card of high school students, pizza. Um, seeing no one else in queue, there are no presentations, there are no communications, um, there are no proclamations being read this afternoon. Uh, Mr. Secretary, will you please read the bills for introduction. The Finance and Governance Committee, 23-0165, a bill for an ordinance authorizing a capital equipment purchase in the Wastewater Management Operations Enterprise Fund. The Land Use Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, 23-0121, a bill for an ordinance changing the zoning classification for 1085 North Knox Court in Villa Park. 23-0122, a bill for an ordinance changing the zoning classifications for 3401 West 29th and 2945 North Julian Street in West Highland. And 23-0149, a bill for an ordinance changing the zoning classification for 526 South Vine Street in Washington Park. Thank you. Council members, this is your last opportunity to call out an item. Councilwoman Sawyer, will you make the motions for us today? Yes, Madam President. Uh, thank you. And I'll do a recap. Under resolutions, Councilwoman Sedebaka has called out resolution 0123 for a vote. Under bills for introduction, no items have been called out. Under bills for final consideration, no items have been called out. Under pending, no items have been called out. Uh, Mr. Secretary, please put the first item on our screens. Councilwoman Sawyer, will you please put Council Resolution 0123 on the floor for adoption? I move that Council Resolution 23-0123 be adopted. Thank you. Can I get it? Thank you. Again, um, it's been moved and seconded. Comments by members of Council on Council Resolution 0123. Councilwoman Sedebaka. Thank you. We'd just like to go on record voting no for this resolution. Thank you. Seeing no one else in queue. Mr. Secretary, roll call on Council Resolution 23-0123. Sudabaka? No. Black? Aye. Clark? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Herndon? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Kanich? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Uh, nine Secretary. eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, one day, nine eyes. Thank you. Nine eyes. Council Resolution 23-0123 has been adopted. That concludes the items to be called out. All bills for introduction are ordered published. Council members, remember this is a consent or block vote, and you will need to vote aye. Otherwise, it's just your last chance to call it an item for a separate vote. Um, Councilwoman Sawyer, will you please put the resolutions for adoption and the bills on final consideration for final passage on the floor. I move that resolutions be adopted and bills on final consideration be placed upon final consideration and do pass in a block for the following items. And I have to roll all the way up to the top of my screen here. Give me a second. 0157, 0158, 0159, 0085, 0106, 0107, 0166, 0168, 0169, 0170, 0171, 0172, 0173, 0174, 0132, 0133, 0136, 0137, 
0124. And that is it. Thank you. And that's been moved and seconded. Uh, Mr. Secretary, roll call. Cita Baca. Aye. Black. Aye. Clerk. Aye. Flynn. Aye. Herndon. Aye. Mines. Aye. Cashman. Aye. Knich. Aye. Sawyer. Aye. Madam President. Aye. Mr. Ten Secretary, eyes. close the voting and announce the results. Sorry. Ten eyes. Ten eyes. The resolutions have been adopted and the bills have been placed upon final consideration and do pass. Uh, tonight there'll be a required public hearing on Council Bill 23-32, changing the zoning classification for 961 South Washington Street in Washington Park West. A required public hearing on Council Bill 23-33, changing the zoning classification for 1100 South Vine Street in Washington Park. And a combined required public hearing on Council Bill 23-58, amending the Denver Zoning Code and Council Bill 23-59, changing the zoning classification for multiple properties in the Lincoln Park and Baker neighborhoods. Anyone wishing to speak on these matters must go online and sign up during the recess of council. If there are no objections from members of council, we will recess until 5.30. food and beverage awards to its name, Denver has quickly become a dining destination for foodies. You'll find plenty of fine dining options at chef-owned eateries, along with cuisine from around the globe at our gourmet food halls and markets. Celebrate International Women's Day with a visit to the Center for Colorado Women's History. Admission is free for all guests who tour the historic house guided tours every half hour from 10.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Pages from the original Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, a document which transformed this part of the world forever by significantly expanding the United States and setting the stage for Colorado statehood. These pages will be exhibited in Denver for the first time ever. Jurassic Quest is back indoors and better than ever. See over 100 life-size animatronic dinosaurs, including Apatosaurus, Spinosaurus, T-Rex, and an incredible 50-foot-long Megalodon. Jurassic Quest is the world's largest, most popular dino event on tour, with unique and exciting experiences for the whole family. It all comes down to this as the best high school basketball teams in the state vie for their chance to claim the state's top tournament. See the best players of tomorrow battle it out to earn bragging rights for their school. Submerge yourself in the mysterious and spectacular aquatic world in unseen oceans. This captivating exhibition will make you feel as if you're on another planet. You'll discover the ocean's best kept secrets, including alien-like creatures, glow-in-the-dark fish, and other spectacular ocean life through movies, videos, and exhibits. Be part of a great Denver tradition, but don't forget your green. The annual St. Patrick's Day Parade starts on Winecoop at 19th Street, turns down 17th Street in front of Union Station, and then turns northeast down Blake Street, all the way up to 27th. 
And that's a quick look at what's happening in Denver this week. I think we've got to the fun part of the program. So uh, before I start, I just need to ask how many people are out here in manual Thunderbolts? Come on, Thunderbolts, right? Manual Thunderbolts represented in the house. Um, before I acknowledge all of our honorable elected officials, I do want to say if I miss you, I really apologize. I've tried to get as many names as I could on here. And if I just missed you, it's uh, uh, no disrespect. It's just a... Um, I didn't see you. Um, so uh, we'd like to re represent doc uh, Dr. Alex Marrero, the superintendent of the Denver Public Schools. Mr. Dave Young, state treasurer. Ms. Ms. Beth McCann, the Denver district attorney who used to be our manager of safety. Paul Lopez, our Denver um, clerk and recorder. State Senator Rhonda Fields, is she with us today? I think she might be coming later. Um, Phil Weiser, our Attorney General. I think Norbert Chavez is here. Is Norbert here? Uh, Alex Garnett, the Speaker of the House, is here. Uh, Jen Bacon from the School Board and our uh, representative. Mr. Tay Anderson from the Denver Public School Board. Mr. Michael Martinez, uh, Tim O'Brien, our city auditor, is he here? 
All right, well, let's keep going on. Uh, Joseph Campbell, he once said that a hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. So much of what we like about Hollywood stories is the idea of a common person who's on a journey. The basic plot line that Hollywood follows is that against great odds, the hero is called to adventure, faces challenges, crises and trials, experiences, revelations and transformations, and eventually is triumphant. And Hollywood constantly inspires us with these heroes and sheroes, whether they be Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz or Luke Skywalker or Mayor Webb's favorite Western, High Noon. And Hollywood has got a right to a degree but isn't it funny that most of the fictional Hollywood heroes are white? But most of the real life heroes are real people of color? Think about it. Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, Jackie Robinson, Ray Charles, Corky Gonzalez, Cesar Chavez, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, and our next Supreme Court Justice, Katanji Brown-Jackson. <laughs> Mayor Michael Hancock, And of course, Denver's 42nd mayor, Wellington E. Webb, and his wife, Wilma Webb. Sure, we don't need to spend $25 at the movie theater for some made-up Hollywood hero when we've got the real deal with us here today. And today, we're going to hear a story that's more exciting and more impactful than anything they can make up in Hollywood. It's a story of a lifetime of public service. It's a story that involves a real-life hero who, instead of a pistol or a lightsaber, his weapon was his tennis shoes. His weapon was an authentic dedication and love for the city of Denver. His weapon was his character, his integrity, his values, and of course his ultimate weapon, his ultimate weapon was the constant wind in his wings that goes by the name of Wilma Webb. So let's get this party started. I'd like to introduce Mr. John Thomas Cochran, he has served as president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors since 1969. And uh, just for some perspective here, during Mayor Webb's term as mayor, he served as president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, the president of the U.S. Association of Democratic Mayors, and the U.S. Conference of Black Mayors. So we are pleased that Tom and his lovely wife have joined us from Washington, D.C. today. And uh, thank you so much, Tom. Thank you. Thank you very much. I've just received a message, and I think I should, uh, my phone will work, try to make it happen. Dear Mayor Webb, it is my honor to join the Mile High City in celebrating your extraordinary legacy of service as Denver's first black mayor, as a trailblazing leader in our nation. Your historic tenure will be remembered for many, many year lives that you made better in ways both big and small. This stature in your image being dedicated today is a wonderful commemoration of your many contributions. Please give my best to Wilma. She is a force and an invaluable partner. Sincerely, Joe Biden, President of the United States of America. <clears throat> Mayor Webb is a Triple Crown winner. Mayor Webb 
There are three mayoral organizations in the United States. The U.S. Conference of Mayors, the African Mayors Association, and the Democratic Mayors Association. I have a message. On the occasion of the historic unveiling and dedication of the monument honoring the 42nd mayor of Denver, Wellington Webb, the nation's mayor, salute the citizens of Denver for recognizing Mayor Webb's leadership and his contributions to the United States Conference of Mayors, the African Mayors Association, and the Democratic Mayors Association. Further, we on this occasion wish to express our gratitude and appreciation to Mayor Webb for his leadership and contributions to the city and county of Denver, Colorado, to our nation, and to cities across this globe. Francis Suarez, President of the United States Conference of Mayors. Sylvester Turner, President of the African Mayors Association. And Levar Stoney, of Richmond, Virginia, President of the Democratic Mayors Association. I have another message. Dear Mayor Webb, congratulations on the unveiling of your sculpture at the Denver Municipal Building that bears your name. This sculpture is a fitting tribute to your remarkable tenure as mayor and your lifetime of service to the people of Denver. I will always be grateful for your friendship and for the opportunity to have worked closely with you as you built a stronger, fairer, and better city with more opportunity for all. Congratulations again on this well-deserved honor and all my best wishes to you and Wilma. Until I see you again, Bill Clinton, the 42nd President of the United States. So y'all gotta bear with me. And I also recognize and appreciate Mayor Michael Hancock, the mayor of Denver, and he's the uh, chairman of our transportation committee and worked so hard to pass the infrastructure bill, 1.2 trillion dollars, working together to make our nation better. Thank you, thank you so much, Mayor Hancock. In Lyon, France, in the first transatlantic meeting of the German and the French and the American mayors, he said, if the 19th century was a century of empires and the 20th century is a century of the nation states, the 21st century will be a century of cities and we, we, both, and we will both be the heart and soul of this global transformation. In London, following the Paris Statement, we went there to talk about the economic contribution that Denver has made and we opened a trade office. But guess what? Something else was happening. They were electing a mayor of London for the first time. And so we went there and the press was very much involved and they wanted to understand what it was to be a mayor what it was to be elected a mayor, because London, the great center of democracy, had never had a mayor. And so we had a press conference. You know, these reporters in London, they're a little bit stiff. 
So he said, uh, well, Mayor Webb, um, tell us. This Mayor Livingston, he's 40 points down. What does he need to do? And Mayor Webb looked straight at the reporter and said, he needs to walk. He needs to walk. And the reporter looked up and said, what are you talking about? He said, well, let me tell you something. He said, in my first race, he said, uh, I was behind in the polls, and I need to stand out above the rest of them. So I started to walk. Yes, I would walk. No cars, no bikes. I just walked all day, and I talked all day. I walked for 42 miles. I walked up. I, I walked for 42 days. I ended up walking for 330 miles. And after it was over, I had to have my both knees drained of the fluids. I have, had my blisters cut, op cut open by doctors. And, the, and these, these reporters didn't know what the hell he was talking about. But I went on, and I was 30 points behind, and I won that race by 58%. And the reporter said, well, thank you so much for your advice. We'll tell Mayor Livingston this. Thank you so much for that a bit too much information. <laughs> and then we went from Paris, from London to Berlin. And Mayor Webb was the third American to ever speak to the German parliament. <clears throat> this is a Reichstag building. Hitler, <clears throat> Hitler never spoke there. <clears throat> and the old Kaiser referred to the parliament as a bunch of monkeys. But Mayor Webb spoke, and he was as good as I've ever seen him that day. And he said, he's the third American that ever spoke to the German parliament. And he said, if you don't have a safe city, you don't have a city. And then, and then in 1999, we went to Africa. He led us for 11 days to Senegal, to Ghana, and to West Africa. In Senegal, perhaps the most searing words that were ever spoken, in my opinion, we were in Gori Island. If you've ever been to Gori Island, it's a very emotional place. This is a site, ladies and gentlemen, where thousands of Africans were captured, captured by slave traders. And we went to see the door of no return. This is a three-story building about as high as this one. And up in the top of it, you walk up, and there's a door of no return. And if you are captured, if you are captured, you walk off that, off that walkway onto a boat. 300 feet down, there are rocks and water and sharks. You get on that boat and you go to Charleston, you go to other places in America, and you are a slave. And later he spoke and he said, in 1619, we left this place as slaves, but in 1999, we have come back as American mayors. And they cheered for his statement. In Accra, Ghana, this was the fifth summit of the African Americans Association, and we sat, he sat with 12 heads of states, three vice presidents, Reverend Jesse Jackson, Labor Secretary Alec Herman, and Coretta Scott King, and they said, why, why Africa? He said, let me tell you something. We've given money and we've helped Russia, We've helped Eastern Europe. We've helped Pacific Rim. We've helped Latin America. We've helped Mexico. We've helped Canada. And by God, it's time to help Africa. 
And so he worked hard and we passed a $5 billion aid bill for Africa. And ladies and gentlemen, you remember this, the Columbine shooting was indeed a tragic international event with the deaths of 12 precious students and one teacher. On September the 9th, 1999, Mayor Webb brought mayors and police chiefs to work with President Clinton. In Washington, we came and he said, no one ever died by a drive-by fist fight. No one ever died by a drive-by knifing. But ladies and gentlemen, we, we have got to keep guns away from kids and cr criminals. And he led the effort. We built, a, we built a wall of death. It was a portable wall. We took it all over America. We took it to Jane Corrick at the day show. He cited the statistics. Eight months after Columbine, 4,001 people have died of gunshot wounds, uh, 89 people per day. They range from two years to 94-year-olds. He said, <clears throat> each shooting is a tragedy, but when you put them all together, as this wall does, it is a national disaster. In January of 2000, he took us to the New York Stock Exchange, the only mayor in the history of the United States that ever took that gavel and closed the stock exchange. He said, contrary to beliefs of many American citizens, not to mention the federal and corporate leaders, our data shows that we are not draining the national economy. The cities are not draining the national economy. We are driving the national economy. Before that, they felt we were just tin cuppers begging, coming to Washington for money. He said, if our metro economies were nation, 47 of the world's largest 100 economies would be metro cities. New York is stronger than Mexico. Los Angeles is stronger than Taiwan. Chicago is stronger than Switzerland. Providence, Rhode Island is stronger than Vietnam. Birmingham, Alabama is stronger than Kuwait. Buffalo is stronger than all of Hawaii. New Haven alone is stronger than Nevada. And Denver is stronger than the Philippines and Chile combined. So quit telling us 10 cuppers. We drive the national economy. And then he said, you know the governors, with all due respect, Governor Polis, the states are like the Navy, worrying about protecting their borders, making sure no one infringes upon them. The Congress is like the Air Force, dropping things on cities without understanding how they affect us, like unfunded mandates. But we mayors are the infantry, the foot soldiers. We are the grunts. We are the ones who defend our cities. We hold the land. We maintain the land. We provide the service. And you cannot win a war without the infantry. And let me just close by my last quote. And this is a happy one. I was here on June 19, 1999, when we, he, he was, he's a, there's his third inaugural address. And his, this is a quote. When I think of him, I grin. As Gladys Knight sang, you are the best thing that ever happened to me. And I know I'll probably be assailed for saying this, but I'm gonna say it. He's the best thing that ever happened to me, and he's the best thing that ever happened to Denver. And that was from Wilma J. Webb. 
a very, very strong expert on monuments has said this about monuments. Our monuments both reflect and share how we see ourselves as a nation. Arguing about ourselves as, is a pointless debate about our past. It is really a crucial negotiation for our future. The human brain is wired to learn from images. That's why making art is so important to human cultures. We learn how to love, we learn how to live, and we learn how to die from these images. So we can inspire us to change, or we could strengthen in determination to uphold traditions of discrimination and white supremacy. Today in America, many statues are coming down. Many statues are being smashed. 200, 2020, 103 monuments were brought down. Last year, 73 monuments brought down. In Denver today, one monument is rising. One monument is rising, being unveiled. I've only attended two dedications. I'm attending the one today, and in 2003, at the 71st Annual Meeting of the Conference of Mayors, we went to the city park one Sunday morning, and we rededicated the statue of Dr. Martin Luther King, a transformational figure from my home state of Georgia and the city of Atlanta. <clears throat> today, ladies and gentlemen, we dedicate another statue of a transformational figure in the history of Denver and the state of Colorado, and may I say, a transformational figure of the United States Conference of Mayors. He led us and continues to lead us to remember that our globe, our world, is smaller. Now in this century of cities, that mayors are the ambassadors of their cities to every nation on this planet. For that, we are grateful. We, to some, has been, he, to some, has been a North Star. And, but to me, he's been a rock. And when I was talking to Mayor Hancock last January, we were talking about Wellington, and he said, he is a rock. And so, what is happening today, we thank Wilma. I thank you for asking me to come on this great day. I'm a stab guy. I've never been elected to anything. But I tell you right now, I've served 54 presidents of this United States Conference of Mayors. And let me also say something, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> and let me just say this to you, I'm gonna shut up now. But let me just say this to you, listen to me. In Psalm 61, King David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I was a little boy. I used to sing a song, Rock of Ages. Clear for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Thank you, Mayor Wellington Webb. You will always be a part of me. Your leadership of the cities and our nation stand firm. No one can ever tear it asunder. Thank you, Wilma. Thank you, Mayor Hancock. Thank you, Denver. Thank you for asking me to be here on this wonderful day. May God bless Wellington and Wilma. And, and may, may God give them the strength to keep on walking.
to keep on talking. You too are the gifts that keep on giving. Thank you. God bless America. Thank you, Tom Cochran. Moving right along, I do want to uh, mention a few other people that I'd like to recognize. Uh, DPS Director, and we can, we can applause after I read all of these names just for time's sake. DPS Director Michelle Quattlebaum, Honorable Happy Haynes, who's our Director of Parks and Rec, Sheriff Elise uh, Elias Diggins, and Fire Chief Desmond Fulton, all of our safety officers and our city employees. I do want a round of applause for everybody, all the city employees who have worked so hard. We also have the Honorable Penfield Tate. Uh, we have uh, former Auditor Don Mars, who is now the Executive Director of the uh, uh, Colorado Foundation. Dottie Lamb. And um, also Susan Barnes-Gelt, I see, is here today as well. So thank you all for attending. I would now like to introduce uh, the Honorable Stacy Gilmore, who is the President of Denver City Council. She was elected to Denver City Council in 2015, re-elected in 2019, and she represents Far Northeast Denver District 11, also known as the Front Door to Denver. She was elected to the leadership role of President Pro Tem in 2018, and she has been serving as the President of City Council since July 2020. Thank you so much. Good morning. I'm Stacy Gilmore, and I'm the council president. And I'm very honored to be here to celebrate and honor the legacy of Denver's former mayor, the Honorable Wellington E. Webb. I'd like to acknowledge the entire Webb family, the mayor, the Honorable Wilma Webb, and our distinguished guests and elected officials, families, and friends. I'd also like to ask for a moment of silence. Our dearly beloved, lifelong friend of the Gilmore family, and I'm sure many of your families as well, the Honorable Gloria Tanner left us last night, and I would like to ask for a moment of silence this morning. Thank you. I know that she's here with us in spirit, and with this celebration, um, we'll make sure that, that we celebrate uh, the way that she only could as family and as community. As city council, we work together to develop strong working relationships with the mayor and the mayor's administration to promote and push forward initiatives that serve all the people of Denver. Together, as public servants, our main objective is to leave the people and our city thriving and empowered. And I'm proud to say that Mayor Webb, through his administration and untiring leadership, created the very foundation that helped to elevate our city to where it is now. And given what we've all experienced over the last two years going into our third year, we are called to build on that strong foundation that Mayor Webb created to reflect where we have been and what we have learned.
to re-examine our structures and government to make sure that we're serving those most in need through strong partnerships with the private sector and nonprofits where we work together to rebuild, revitalize, and redevelop our city. And we need to rejoice in all being here today on April 6, 2022, a historic day in Denver to celebrate a life well lived and a futuristic vision of Mayor Webbs, who, help us, who will help us rebuild our city on that powerful foundation that he created. During the historical mayoral election in 1991, not only did Wellington E. Webb become the 42nd mayor of our great city, he also became the first African-American mayor of our fine city. He overcame obstacles and beat all odds, and he served 12 years, blazing a new path for generations to come. Through his leadership and collaborative efforts, he paved the way for black and brown children to see themselves represented in leading our great city. He built up and created infrastructure and opportunity for residents in my own council district 11 through not only supporting small businesses, but Denver International Airport, our largest economic engine for the entire region and our surrounding states. The wheels of momentum were turning for Mayor Webb as his focus during his three terms included parks and open space, public safety, economic development, and children. Not unlike the same issues that are facing our city and cities across the nation as we move into this new chapter. The Honorable Wellington E. Webb repeatedly championed we have but one life to live, and we should use that life to make life better for others. These words ring true in the work that myself, as president of Denver City Council, and our entire council aim to do every single day. It is not often that you meet people with both vision and the skills to implement that vision through teamwork and community building. And when you do meet that individual, it's important to learn from them, and they will push you to realize your full potential. The Honorable Wellington E. Webb is a trailblazing visionary who continues to lead through example and dedicates his time giving back to our communities. To this day, his input, wisdom, and vision are sought out on a variety of issues, impacting not only our city, but our state and the region. On behalf of the entire Denver City Council, thank you, Mayor Wellington E. Webb, for your vision, work, and leadership that you put into our beautiful Mile High City, for you and your family's sacrifices, especially the Honorable Wilma Webb sacrifices. Yes.
I'm sure that Mayor Webb missed many family dinners, celebrations, and even that time as a spouse together. And that sacrifice is real, but that unrelenting drive to be a public servant, to do the work every day, and build a strong foundation for our amazing Queen City of the Plains. It has been a pleasure to learn from you both and to hear your advice, and thank you for setting the path for many of us who lead today. Thank you, Council President Gilmore. Your remarks are very much appreciated. Um, you know, you've upgraded your kicks since 1991. I mean, are those, are those Gucci? <laughs> and he has, he has on his socks, you can't read them, but they say, I have a dream on them. <laughs> Love that. Um, you know, working for the mayor was always a joy. It was an honor. And, um, you know, while we like to celebrate the achievements, we were always reminded that government is extremely hard work. The majority of government is not all politics, but administration and bureaucracy that allows the city to operate on behalf of its citizens. And Mayor Webb reminded us that the real work that was being done was by the thousands of dedicated city employees, committed city employees, who were working on behalf of the citizens, and they were there before us, and they would be there after us. Um, and he had a lifelong influence on his staff, his administration, many of whom ended up becoming elected officials themselves. We had late night phone calls, early morning memos. We were a family. It's kind of like a high school reunion today. Um, we were friends. We supported each other. We challenged each other. Sometimes I'd whisper something in his left ear and five minutes later somebody else would give the exact opposite advice in the right ear. Um, and we cried, we laughed, and we fought. But I think I can speak on everyone on behalf of his administration that it was just a complete honor beyond description to work for Mayor Webb. Um, we're going to move this along, and I'm going to introduce a couple of uh, staff members to share their time, but I'm going to share one quick story. I came into the office one day, and uh, Tina Gelt, God rest her soul, Kathy Selman, and uh, Corrine Lopez were working in the front office, and they came up and they said, Andrew, they said, the, the mayor's in a really surly mood today, which is unlike him. You know, he was very serious, but you know, I, could, I could count on one hand the times I heard him say a four-letter word while he was mayor. He was just the calm and the storm, but he was very upset this morning. And I was the chosen one to go in and figure out what the problem was. So I walked in, and the mayor's working hard at his desk, and I said, Mayor, are you upset this morning? And he looked up at me, and he said, Andrew, he said, when I signed up for mayor, he says, I knew there would be a lot of scrutiny. I knew I'd be a lot of challenges. I said, yeah. He says, but I never expected to wake up and see in Penny Parker, the gossip columnist column, spotted Mayor Webb eating a big old juicy Cinnabon at the Cherry Creek Mall. <laughs> and I, I said, well, okay. He says, well, not only did I see it, but my trainer at the Denver Athletic Club saw it. <laughs> and he made me work out an extra 45 minutes this morning. So now it is, um, it's my great honor to introduce the Honorable Rosemary Rodriguez, who has served for Mayor Webb and also served as the city as its clerk and recorder. She was a city councilwoman for District 3 and a Denver Public Schools board member, an underachiever here. Uh, joining Rosemary is Mike Dino, who served as Mayor Webb's 
campaign manager during his first campaign. He was on the mayor's staff as a senior advisor. He also oversaw the Denver Summit of the Eight for the city and served as the CEO of the Denver Host Committee for the 2008 Democratic Convention. He's currently a principal at Squire Patton Boggs. And before they come up, I do want to give a special shout out to one of the mayor's longest and most loyal aides and friends, Mr. Jim Martinez, who is with the mayor ever since he was in the auditor's office. <laughs> Rosemary and Mike. So I'm really okay. I just got a new hip, and I'm going to get another one on May 2nd. So I'll be 100% and running around, uh, starting the party like I used to, <laughs> dancing. I started as Mayor Webb's scheduler, and uh, the one thing I learned from him in that job is that the things that he wanted to do and the things that were humanly possible were very, very different. <laughs> he wanted to do everything. When he was elected in 1991, he invited his appointees to walk with him if they shared his vision. I was fortunate to be one of those people. He was a man on fire. And he knew that with each passing day, there was more he wanted to accomplish and one day fewer to get it done. Some days were hard, real hard. Some days were exciting. But every day, we who worked with him and for him felt as though we had a chance to create opportunity or to make change, or to reach out in a new way to remember the forgotten and to include the overlooked. I'll always be grateful to him for allowing a Westsider like me, <laughs> all due respect to Northeast and East, <laughs> Northwest, <laughs> for allowing a Westsider like me to walk with him while he accomplished much for the city he loves. And in true Webb fashion, with grace and humility, he and Wilma have included the names of his appointees in today's program to stand alongside him once again and forever. On behalf of your appointees, I thank you. I express my appreciation to both of you, Honorable Mayor and First Lady Wilma, for being a part of this very special day. We know you didn't have to include us, and that makes the honor all the more special. I thank you. tell a quick story about Andrew, how Andrew got into the administration. He didn't spend uh, the first term with us, which was a, a very challenging term. We had a lot of, of issues with our messaging, our press. Uh, it, it, was, it was hard, and, it, and uh, 
So when Wellington got reelected, uh, Andrew was working for RTD. And uh, one day, Wellington read in the, the paper about Andrew commenting on a bus driver who went the wrong way up the expressway. And Andrew just bluntly said, we got to fire that guy. And Wellington says, that's the guy I need to do my press. <laughs> so that's how, well, that's how Andrew got into the administration. But um, Wilma and Wellington, thank you for this honor to be able to say a few words. A lot of things have changed over the years, especially communications, emails, text messaging, social media. I still appreciate the web note. All the appointees can appreciate the web note. It was a great way of communication. You know, before the shoes, remember that? He's got the fancy ones on. We had the web plan. There's the original web plan right here. It was 11 ideas that Wellington ran on in 1991. A few of them were related to education. Uh, where he called in busing. He talked about the environment, getting rid of, of Asarco up in North Denver. And he focused on youth in trying to make sure rec centers stayed open longer and there were more services. He always had a plan. And he had a plan for the small things and the big things. I remember the first time we went to Washington, D.C., we went over to the Department of Housing and Urban Development, the Department of HUD. And we were going through security. It's the worst security in Washington, at least at that time it was. And uh, he pulls out his billfold and the rubber band on his wallet that kept the billfold protected snapped. And I looked at him and I said, well, what are you going to do now? Your money's in danger. <laughs> He's got it. Still got the rubber band. And he smiled that Cheshire grin, and he opened the wallet, and he pulled another rubber band <laughs> out of his wallet. That was his plan B. He always had a plan B. Now, I know that story might seem to, to describe him as the person we know as being frugal and maybe cheap, but to me, to me, that means he's financially savvy. That's why we're in this building today. He built it. It opened 20 years ago. You know, he saved Denver. He turned Denver General Hospital's $50 million debt into what is a thriving medical campus today at Denver Health. And with Wilma's help, he built, he commissioned 156 pieces of artwork worth $27 million. So he might be a little frugal, but he's also extremely financially savvy. His biggest plan B accomplishment came with Denver International Airport. Uh, we were finally excited. One day we were invited out to the airport because we hoped to finally see the automated baggage system actually work. So we're in the depths of the airport. It's almost completed. We're in the depths of the airport, Wellington's standing there, and this big automated baggage cart comes whizzing by him. As it gets ready to round the corner, it flies off the rails and smack into the wall. 
into a terrible mess. And Wellington looks around at nobody in particular and silently says, now we're screwed. <laughs> but he had a plan B, and immediately he moved off of that automated system, went to the traditional tug and cart system, and that airport opened 27 years ago on February 28, 1995. It's Denver's, as Wellington likes to say, it's Denver's port to the world. It's one of the largest and busiest airports on the globe. It employs the most amount, uh, highest percentage of minority women uh, and uh, uh, owned concession businesses, uh, small businesses in the country, and it's a tribute to his determination to make sure that airport opened. So Wellington and Wilma, it's been a huge privilege to serve you all these years. I, I admire your dedication, your perseverance, and your resilience. So thank you for this honor. All right, it is my great honor to introduce Mr. Ed Dwight. Ed Dwight was the first African-American to be trained as an astronaut. He's a renowned teacher of major monuments throughout the United States. Ed Dwight Studios in Denver is now one of the largest privately owned production and marketing facilities in the Western United States. He's created works of celebratory African-American art, including international monuments to the Underground Railroad in Detroit, and Dr. Martin Luther King Memorial in our own Denver City Park. I'm sure everyone has seen that beautiful piece of art. A bust of George Washington Williams in the Ohio State Capitol, the Black Patriots Memorial on the Mall in Washington, D.C., and the Alex Haley Kunta Kinte Memorial in Annapolis, Maryland, and the Quincy Jones Sculpture Park in Chicago. His total major works are more than 35, some of which are on permanent display in the Smithsonian Institute. Please welcome Mr. Ed Dwight. Good morning, everyone. Uh, the first thing I'd like to do is to uh, say congratulations uh, to both Wellington and Wilma for being the pioneers that they were. They were absolutely phenomenal, and they certainly affected my career. Uh, none of these uh, sculptor guys do things in a vacuum. So uh, when you see the, uh, the statue and the display there, a couple of, of companies that were instrumental in making that happen. And uh, uh, Becky Stewart from Erickson Memorials, who uh, uh, helped me along to get that part of it done. Uh, and Geraldo Garcia from the Eternal Niche, uh, uh, you'll see that incredibly wonderful work, uh, you know, that that he's done to, to make this display. Uh, one of the things that has been kind of inferred and uh, is that Wellington did some art stuff for the city. Uh, 
he did more than some just art stuff for the city. He was the, uh, the art guru, if you will, of the city of Denver. And you notice he, he always did it really quietly, kind of in the background without stepping up front and taking credit for it. But uh, he and Wilma both uh, you know, participated greatly in, in making this a city of art. Uh, one of the things that come to mind when uh, all the black artists in this city were eliminated from participating uh, in the art at the airport, $30 million or so of art in the airport, and we were all uh, sidelined, if you will. Uh, Wilma stepped forward and says, we can't do this this way. Uh, and uh, I, I was um, unfortunately the only one. Uh, there was another artist that did some subsidiary work there, but she, but she got me the sculpture of Bill Smith uh, uh, at the airport. And she had to do a little fighting to do it. She had to kind of put her foot down and raise a little hell. But she got it done. And Bill Smith is in concourse A, thanks, thanks to Wilma Webb. Uh, but the biggie, the real biggie, which, uh, uh, well, I got to go back a little bit. When I first started, I didn't start doing art till I was 45 years, I mean sculptures till I was 45 years old. And Wellington, uh, I came to Dunham when I was just doing this stuff with little bitty statues of stuff. Uh, and Wellington was the first guy to step up and recognize, and he started buying it, <laughs> uh, which I thought was real cool. But uh, the, the thing that really, really kind of launched my career was, uh, was the Kadatata King Memorial. Uh, and Wilma fought tenaciously and worked with the King family uh, to get that done. And it was through her, her inspiration and her vision, uh, along with Wilma, to get uh, uh, that Dr. King Memorial in City Park, which, by the way, was only my third memorial <laughs> that I had done. So they had to have a lot of faith in me to get it done. But what it did, it launched uh, seven more memorials to Dr. King around the country, plus 130 memorials since that time in the career. So uh, I'm getting old and tired right now, so I got, I got to settle down. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, about Wellington, you know, Wellington's a tall dude. And, <laughs> You know, and he was the first real tall dude I'd, <laughs> that I'd ever made a sculpture of. And my vision of him, uh, when you put a sculpture outside, uh, it looks smaller than it w uh, that is visually perceived versus the inside. So the sculpture on the outside has to be quite a bit taller, which is perceived visually as a life-size sculpture. That's why, uh, you know, and so my vision of Wellington was this eight-foot-tall memorial, really, <laughs> you know, which would reflect him as his actual six-foot-four size, you know. 
because on our first effort, uh, we were going to do it outside. And there's good and bad about that, you know, when a sculpture is outside over time, uh, it gets weathered and kind of beat up a little bit. Uh, uh, the patina doesn't hold up and you gotta come and you gotta maintain it. And the good part of having it inside, which, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, you, you can have it his regular size, uh, but but again, it's perceived as, as as a monumental sculpture. Okay, so I I had him originally taller than he is here, but but the city came in and made me make him three or four inches shorter. <laughs> so, uh, so so what you'll see here is is Wellington probably at his actual at his actual height. Uh, and the body language, talking about bodies, Wellington's body changed a whole lot <laughs> from, from the time he was just sleek, uh, mayor back in 1991, 92, you know, and he's, he's gained a little weight. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, it, Everybody wants to perceive, wants to be perceived and, ca and captured in life at their greatest. <laughs> the greatest way they look, the greatest stature, the greatest pose, the greatest height, and all the pimples off the face, uh, all, the whole thing, they want to be perceived that way. But I, I, I think we, uh, you know, I think we got it, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and so I, uh, I want to thank you all, but please appreciate that, that this man had so many facets about him, and art was high on the list. And, and, I, and, I, and I really benefited. He, he doesn't know this, but he was very active in launching my, uh, my memorial career, and I'm probably the the largest builder of memorials in the, in the history of the United States of America. So anyway, thank you so much for having me here and let me talk and all that fun stuff. And congratulations again. Uh, I love you. <laughs> thank you. A living legend, Mr. Ed Dwight. It is now my great honor to introduce the honorable Wilma J. Webb. Wilma is a public servant and a leader who is an accomplished political force and has made a significant and positive difference to people everywhere. She was elected to the Colorado State House of Representatives in 1980, where she served for six terms as a member of the Colorado House of Representatives. She was the first African-American woman to serve on the legislature's most powerful committee, the Joint Budget Committee, where she was a strong voice for the voiceless and for all of Colorado's citizens. She passed the bill that created the Martin Luther King Jr. Day in Colorado. And she also passed bills that supported anti-drug abuse treatment programs, the subpoena power to the Colorado Civil Rights Division, and many, many more. As a presidential appointee to the U.S. Department of Labor, she administered the enforcement of federal statutes with Govern the Workplace, and as alluded to earlier, as 
First Lady of Denver and as chairperson of the Mayor's Commission on Art, Culture, and Film, she led the effort in developing Denver's vision for the arts and created and developed Denver's process for the procurement and accession of public art. In truth be told, if it was up to the mayor, we'd have more sports stadiums. It was because of Wilma that we have all this arts going on right now. <laughs> um, she's the founder of the Denver Art, Culture, and Film Foundation. She envisioned Denver's Centennial Park and Denver's Blair Caldwell African American Research Library. It is my deep, deep honor to introduce my friend, Wilma J. Webb. I do have some comments that I'd like to uh, make that uh, probably would require that I speak from some notes because they are about factual things. But I also wanted to say that, um, Wellington, you are fantastic, beautiful, smart, intelligent, and ladies would say handsome. <laughs> and quite a leader, and I'm very proud of you. I think the entire city and the state, as stated by our governor this morning, and certainly on the national side, as stated by our good friend Tom Cochran, who is the executive director and more and more and more to his title of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, that Wellington has proven to be a friend and a humanitarian across the world, and we're very proud of you at this moment. And I know that Wellington, and me in a lesser degree, but yes, me too, we wouldn't be anything without the people, and you all have demonstrated time after time after time that goodness always prevails over something that is not good. So thank you for being who you are. In speaking with you this morning, I have an impossible task of trying to sum up 53 years of knowing this great man, of which he and I have been married for 51 years. <laughs> yeah. Yay, yay for marriage. <laughs> Now, he is a wonderful person, a fantastic husband. He is a loving and caring father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. He's also a brother, an uncle, a cousin, and a friend to our immediate family who rarely get recognized, and to the world's community family. begins at 11 a.m. this Friday, March 10th. We look forward to hearing from you all again. Thank you for attending. Stay with us for the Denver City Council meeting at 530.
in February on Elevating Denver. A humanitarian effort challenges the Mile High City. Take a look back at Five Points with the Emancipation Theater Company. History a story is always important. And memories create bonds and profound writing. Get it out of my head, out on paper, and therefore get that relief. Those stories and more on the next episode of Elevating Denver. Hey Denver, the decision is yours on April 4th. Make your voice heard by voting in the 2023 municipal election. Stay up to date on the candidates and the issues you'll see on your ballot at denverdecides.org. There you'll find Denver's most complete guide to help you choose your next mayor, city council members, and more. Candidate profiles, live candidate forums, and ballot issue breakdowns can all be found at denverdecides.org. Denver Decides, where Denver voters turn to get informed. Winter is here and icy sidewalk conditions can be dangerous for pedestrians. All Denver property owners are responsible for the sidewalk in front of their property. If you see an icy spot on a public sidewalk, call 311 or report the problem through pocketgov.com. Remember to include a picture if you can, as they are always helpful to identify the exact location. The city will then send out a neighborhood inspector to the address as soon as possible. Businesses and apartment buildings are required to begin snow removal as soon as it stops snowing. Residential properties have 24 hours until they have to shovel. Let's all do our part to keep Denver's sidewalks safe for everyone. Denver 311 and PocketGov are helping you navigate Denver City Services. Get ready, Denver. It's almost time to vote. For our mayor, city council, clerk and recorder, auditor, and more on election day, April 4th. Ballots go out March 13th, and you have until March 27th to return it by mail or drop it off when it's convenient for you at any one of the citywide ballot drop boxes or drive throughs If you choose to vote in person, vote centers will be open through 7 p.m. on election day. To help research your vote, watch upcoming Denver Decides forums and visit denvervotes.org. Drop off your ballot or be in line to vote by 7 p.m. on Tuesday, April 4th. And be ready when it's time to vote. Do you want to be active in your community, but you don't know when or where things are happening? Well, don't sweat it. Just check out the upcoming events calendar on denvergov.org. It's your one-stop shop for community meetings, online workshops, and more, so you can be fully informed and involved. You can even search by date, keyword, or even what neighborhood you live in. Plus, you can also see on what holidays the city is closed. The upcoming events calendar, yet another great feature on the all-new denvergov.org. Hola Denver, la decisión es suya el 4 de abril. Haga oír su voz votando en las elecciones municipales de 2023. Manténgase actualizado sobre los candidatos y los problemas que verá en su boleta electoral en denverdecides.org. Allí encontrará la guía más completa de Denver para ayudarlo a elegir su próximo alcalde, miembros del consejo municipal y más. Los perfiles de los candidatos, los foros de candidatos en vivo y los desgloses de las boletas se pueden encontrar en denverdecides.org. Denver Decides, donde los votantes de Denver recurren para informarse.
With numerous food and beverage awards to its name, Denver has quickly become a dining destination for foodies. You'll find plenty of fine dining options at chef-owned eateries, along with cuisine from around the globe at our gourmet food halls and markets. Celebrate International Women's Day with a visit to the Center for Colorado Women's History. Admission is free for all guests who tour the historic house. Guided tours every half hour from 10.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Pages from the original Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, a document which transformed this part of the world forever by significantly expanding the United States and setting the stage for Colorado statehood. These pages will be exhibited in Denver for the first time ever. Jurassic Quest is back indoors and better than ever. See over 100 life-size animatronic dinosaurs, including Apatosaurus, Spinosaurus, T-Rex, and an incredible 50-foot-long Megalodon. Jurassic Quest is the world's largest, most popular dino event on tour, with unique and exciting experiences for the whole family. It all comes down to this. As the best high school basketball teams in the state vie for their chance to claim the state's top tournament, see the best players of tomorrow battle it out to earn bragging rights for their school. Submerge yourself in the mysterious and spectacular aquatic world in unseen oceans. This captivating exhibition will make you feel as if you're on another planet. You'll discover the ocean's best-kept secrets, including alien-like creatures, glow-in-the-dark fish, and other spectacular ocean life through movies, videos, and exhibits. Be part of a great Denver tradition, but don't forget your green. The annual St. Patrick's Day Parade starts on Wine Coop at 19th Street, turns down 17th Street in front of Union Station, and then turns northeast down Blake Street, all the way up to 27th. And that's a quick look at what's happening in Denver this week. Hey Denver, let's get ready to take action on climate change. Our residents have spoken, asking for better, more convenient ways to recycle and compost. Together we can limit the amount of waste we send to the landfill. When food and other organic material ends up in the landfill, it rots and creates methane gas, a dangerous contributor to climate change. Denver wants to reduce our emissions by 65% by 2030. To help achieve this goal, Denver is rolling out expanded waste services in 2023. This means that Denver residents will see free weekly recycling and composting added to weekly trash pickup over the course of the year. Denver is well behind the national average in the amount we recycle and compost. Let's change that. Currently, Denver only sends about 26% of its waste to a recycling or compost center. With weekly recycling and compost, we can cut what we send to the landfill in half. Do you know the vast majority of food products, from apple cores to chicken bones to eggshells, can be composted? Not to mention most yard debris, including all those leaves that fall from your trees. These little changes add up and can help us achieve our climate goals, and we'll get there through a series of steps in 2023. 
Starting January 1st, 2023, every household in Denver will now have weekly recycling pickup. Set your purple cart out on your regular collection day when it's full. Otherwise, no need to pull it out. Additionally, composting services will be available to all households as well. These green carts will be rolled out beginning in the summer. You will receive a notice in the mail before your cart arrives. The city is moving toward a pay-as-you-throw model and will offer customers the option to exchange their current trash cart size for a small, medium, or large one. Your new bill will depend on the size of your trash cart. The smaller the cart, the lower the fee. With the addition of weekly recycling and composting, which is included at no extra cost, the amount of trash you put into these carts should drop, allowing you to reduce the size of your trash cart and helping reduce your bill. Here's what you need to do to prepare for this change, including applying for a rebate for financial assistance if your household qualifies. Look for your first quarterly invoice between January and March. At least 30 days before your first invoice arrives, we will mail you a letter with key info such as your account number and a parcel ID that you'll need to set up an account. Once you have this info, go to denvergov.org utilities online to create an account. Once you have logged in, you can sign up for paperless billing, auto pay, view your card sizes, and make service requests online. Eligible residents can apply for financial assistance. To find out if you qualify and to submit an application, visit denvergov.org slash expanded collection. As compost carts are being delivered, the city will offer customers a credit on their quarterly invoice while they wait for their compost cart to arrive and they can divert more of their trash. If you are already a compost customer, your services will remain the same. We understand that paying for trash service is new, which is why we are including weekly recycling and compost to help you reduce the size of your trash cart and reduce your bill along with it. This is a big shift in the way Denver manages its waste collection, but it's necessary as we take direct action on climate change. To prepare, Denver is hiring new drivers, adding trucks to our fleet, and ordering additional carts. Also, additional technology is being added to the trucks to ensure efficient routes. We appreciate your patience as we grow these programs, and we acknowledge it will be challenging and imperfect at first. Our community has shown us that you value moving the needle on sustainability, and we're going to push forward with our commitment, taking every measure we can to make it easy for residents to divert their trash and protect our environment. Together, we can do this. Welcome to your Denver City Council. Please stand by. Full coverage of your Denver City Council begins now. from its earlier session. There is no unfinished business. 
Uh, there is one proclamation being read this evening. Councilwoman Sedebaka, will you please read proclamation 23-273. Thank you. I move that proclamation 23-237 be adopted. Proclamation number 23-237, congratulating the Denver St. Patrick's Day Parade Committee on the occasion of the 61st anniversary of the annual parade on March 11, 2023. Whereas Denver has one of the largest cultural parades in the United States and the largest St. Patrick's Day Parade west of the Mississippi. And whereas this year's theme is Irish is everyone and commemorates the 61st anniversary of the parade. And whereas the Denver St. Patrick's Day Parade exemplifies a peaceful celebration along with the community of diverse citizens who gather together with a glance at the Celtic past to look at the look to look to the future while enjoying Irish cultural fanfare, pipe and drum bands, Irish step dancing, and honoring all divisions of our military to the delight of over 300,000 spectators. And whereas we send congratulations and thanks to all volunteers of the Denver St. Patrick's Day Parade Committee, including many who have passed on but are still remembered for their endless hours and never ending commitment that makes this celebration possible. And whereas we hope the Colorado sun and mile high airlifts the spirits of all who march or attend the 61st annual parade, Saturday, March 11, 2023. And we hope for a warm wind at our backs as we celebrate the Irish culture in the great state of Colorado. Now therefore be it proclaimed by the council of the city and county of Denver that the council hereby congratulates Denver St. Patrick's Day Parade Committee, a volunteer organization on a well-organized, peaceful and spirited gathering at the 61st annual event. And that the secretary of council shall affix the seal of the city and county of Denver to this proclamation and that a copy be transmitted to the Denver St. Patrick's Day Parade Committee President, Michael O'Neill. Thank you so much. Um, before we move to adopt, I'd like to welcome Councilwoman Ortega to the meeting. Council member, uh, Councilwoman Sedebaca, your motion to adopt. Oops, got ahead of myself. <laughs> I move that Proclamation 23-237 be adopted. Thank you, and that's been moved and seconded. Comments by members of council. Councilwoman Sedebaca. Thank you, I'm honored to um, continue on with this annual tradition of uh, this proclamation and really just proud that this continues post-COVID and it continues strong as ever. Thank you so much. Councilman Flynn. Thank you, Madam President. It is with uh, every ounce of restraint I can muster uh, to keep my remarks brief uh, because I have personally kissed the Blarney Stone three times. Once with my dad and brothers, once with my kids, and once with my wife. I want to congratulate the, the committee for continuing this uh, tradition uh, of joyful celebration in honor of the Irish heritage. I believe at one point there were more Irish in New York City than there was in all of Ireland. Uh, my, own, uh, my own Flynn ancestors, I have several other lines coming in, Lynch and Mahoney and uh, but my Flynn ancestors came from a little village in County Galway called Loch Ray, and I was, I was privileged to visit there twice and uh, visit the pub that my family used to own, that my ancestors used to own. Um, my family came over after the potato famine. We, we stayed for the famine and then came over for some reason. But they have contributed a lot to the building of this country, 
And uh, with that said, uh, just thank you for continuing this great tradition um, and bless all your Irish hearts and every other Irish part. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, seeing no one else in queue, uh, Mr. Secretary, roll call. Black. Aye. Sidabaka. Aye. Clark. Aye. Flynn. Aye. Herndon. Aye. Hines. Aye. Cashman. Aye. Kanich. Aye. Ortega. Sawyer. Aye. Madam President. Aye. Mr. Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 11 ayes. 11 ayes. Proclamation 23-237 has been adopted. And we've got a few minutes for the proclamation acceptance. Councilwoman Sedebaka will start the timer. Please call up whoever you'd like to accept the proclamation. I'd like to call up committee president Michael O'Neill and whoever else he chooses to bring up with him. City council members of the city and county of Denver, we want to thank you so much as we, as the proclamation said, on our 61st year of being here in the city of Denver and the city allowing us the host to promote and to organize the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade. With that, this year's theme is Irish is everyone. And we picked that to show the inclusiveness that the Irish have always had for everyone and our inclusion in the United States here and in Colorado. With that, we could not do this without the multitude of city government offices that we have to go through, whether that is Megan over at the Office of Special Events, whether that's Jim Rose, the head of the Denver Police Department Special Events Unit, whether that is Mark Lomax over at Public Works, who grants us, who helps us get the street permits that goes with that. And I could sit here and go on and on about the, the multitude of people that help us put this parade on, but it truly is an all volunteer force that raises every penny to be able to throw this. It's over $100,000 for us to actually put this parade together every year. And we just want to say thank you so much with great gratitude from an Irish heart, Councilman Flynn. And I, I just, I, I could go on and on, but I want to take the time also to introduce Noel Hickey, this year's 2023 Grand Marshal, as y'all might know, the proprietor of the Celtic on Market. We also have Queen Colleen, Crystal Cole, who is representing us this year for 2023 in her court and our Irish princess that is part of this this year. So with that, I want to leave you, we once again with gratitude and a little bit of love in your heart with a rendition of Danny Boy by our Piper from the Mike and Collins Pikesy Drums. Thank you so much today, and we look forward to seeing you in our 62nd year.
in the Irish tongue, Aaron Gabla. Thank you so much. And thank you on the bagpipes. Um, we have three required public hearings tonight. Uh, for those participating in person, when called upon, please come to the podium. On the presentation monitor on the wall, you will see your time counting down. For those participating virtually when called upon, please wait until our meeting host promotes you to speaker. Uh, when you are promoted, please accept the promotion. Turn on your camera if you have one and your microphone. All speakers should begin your remarks by telling council your name and city of residence. And if you feel comfortable doing so, your home address. If you've signed up to answer questions only, please state your name and note you're available for questions of council. Speakers will have three minutes. There is no yielding of time. If translation is needed, you'll be given an additional three minutes for your comments to be interpreted. Speakers must stay on the topic of the hearing and direct your comments to council as a whole. Please refrain from profane or obscene speech and refrain from individual or personal attacks. Councilwoman Sawyer, will you please put Council Bill 23-32 on the floor for final passage? I move that Council Bill 23-0032 be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. The required public hearing for Council Bill 23-32 is open. May we have the staff report? Hi. Yes, ma'am. Good evening, Council. Can you hear me okay? Yes. All right, I'll try to follow up, but I have no bagpipes or musical um, uh, accoutrement. So anyway, um, my name is Rob Haig. I'm a, a, a senior city planner with CPD, um, and I'm going to present an overview of the rezoning at 961 South Washington Street from USUB to USUB1. Subject property is located here in Council District 7 in the, in the Washington Park West neighborhood. The subject property is 6,250 square feet. There's an existing single unit dwelling and detached garage on the property. Uh, it's located mid-block uh, on South Washington Street in between Kentucky Avenue and Tennessee Avenue. The proposed rezoning would uh, allow for an accessory dwelling unit on the property, but all of the other form and use standards would remain the same. The subject property is currently zoned urban single unit B, which indicates there's a 45 uh, 100 square foot minimum zone lot size. Uh, there's also the U03 historic structure use overlay, which allows for some limited office and commercial uses within historic structures uh, in these areas. Um, the proposed zone district would be uh, would, would retain the, uh, the urban single unit classification, again, allowing accessory dwelling units and would retain the historic use overlay. Uh, to the south and east of the property is also zoned USUB. And to the northwest of the subject property as uh, an area zoned URH 2.5. Current land use on the subject property is single unit residential and the surrounding uh, properties uh, also are predominantly single unit residential uh, with a, um, a embedded two unit and residential, or excuse me, two unit and multi-unit residential uses. This slide shows the character of the subject property and the surrounding areas. Uh, in the bottom right is the subject property. Uh, the top right shows the multi-unit development to the north of the subject property. And the image on the far left-hand side of the screen shows uh, some of the single unit residential that is characteristic for the neighborhood. Uh, the property is also encumbered by the uh, Washington Park view plane. Uh, per the view plane, the height restriction or the height limitation is 79 feet. Uh, however, the proposed zone district of USUB1 uh, has a maximum height of less than 79 feet, uh, so there's no conflict with this existing uh, view plane. Uh, all informational notices were issued, uh, signs were posted on the subject property. The planning board is uh, forwarding a recommendation of approval. 
Uh, to this point in the in the public process, uh, staff has not received any public comment related to this rezoning. The Denver Zoning Code uh, has five criteria that are used to evaluate uh, these proposals. Uh, the first one being consistency with adopted plans. Uh, there are three uh, adopted plans that are applicable to the subject property. The first adopted plan that's applicable here is the Comprehensive Plan 2040. Uh, the uh, proposal is, is uh, um, uh, advances several goals and, and is um, consistent with, with much of Comprehensive Plan 2040. However, I'll just over, uh, outline these two items here. The proposal seeks to create a greater mix of housing options in the neighborhood um, by allowing for an accessory dwelling unit where otherwise they're predominantly single unit uh, residential uh, zoning. And it also provides for infill development uh, where infrastructure and services um, are already uh, in existence. Uh, the next plan that we'll take a look at are, uh, is Blueprint Denver. There's a couple maps in here. The first map is the neighborhood context map. Uh, per Blueprint Denver, um, this property is uh, designated as urban future neighborhood context. And within the future urban future neighborhood context, this property is in the residential low future place type. Uh, these place types are uh, described as being predominantly single and two unit uses. Uh, with accessory dwelling units being appropriate. Uh, South Washington Street at this location is also identified as being a residential collector future street type. Final map of Blueprint Denver is the uh, uh, future growth strategies map. Uh, this map indicates or, or designates this property as being all other areas of the city where we anticipate to see 10% of new employment growth and 20% of new housing across this, these areas of the city uh, by 2040. Uh, in addition to these maps, Blueprint Denver has uh, um, uh, policy and strategy uh, language um, uh, that provides guidance to diversify the housing choice through the expansion of accessory dwelling units through all residential areas. Uh, and does also state that until a holistic approach is in place, individual rezonings to enable accessory dwelling units in residential areas, especially where proximate to transit are appropriate. Uh, in addition to those citywide plans, um, there is also a, a West Washington Park neighborhood plan that was adopted in 1991. Um, uh, staff finds that this uh, proposal would also be uh, in conformance with this adopted plan uh, in the fact that the, the new accessory dwelling unit uh, that might be allowed on this property um, is consistent with, with the guidance here and that uh, infill housing would be compatible with the historic buildings and character. Um, and that new moderate density uh, would be uh, compatible with adjacent low density uh, residential development with compatible setbacks and significant buffering. Staff also finds that these next two uh, criteria for approval have been met. Um, the proposed USUC1 uh, U03 zone district uh, would be uniform with the other USUC. USUC1 U03 zone districts, other places in the city. Um, and the proposal furthers public health, safety, and welfare predominantly through the, or the implementation of the adopted plans. Justifying circumstance for this rezoning is a city adopted plan and that the property was zoned its current USUC zone district prior to the adoption of uh, Blueprint Denver and uh, Comprehensive Plan 2040. And in those two uh, citywide plans, um, there is strong guidance uh, provided to uh, allow for the um, uh, increase of allowance for accessory dwelling units throughout all residential areas of the city like this one. Additionally, uh, staff finds that the proposal is consistent with the neighborhood context, zone district purpose and intent statements. And based on the criteria for review in the Denver Zoning Code uh, as outlined in this uh, presentation as well as in detail in the staff report, uh, staff recommends approval of application 2022 I-00175. 
that concludes staff's presentation. Thank you. Thank you very much. We have one individual signed up to speak this evening um, and they're joining us via Zoom, Jesse Paris. <clears throat> Yes, uh, good evening members of council, those watching at home, those in the council chambers. My name is Jesse LaShawn Paris, and I'm representing for Black Star Action Movement for Self-Defense, Positive Action Committee for Social Change, as well as the Unity Party of Colorado, the East Denver Residence Council, Frontline Black News, and I will be the next mayor of Denver in 2023, and I reside in Christopher Herndon's district of District 8 at the Fusion Studios. Um, I'm in full support of this uh, ADU rezoning uh, classification tonight. Um, I supported ADUs when I ran for city council at large in 2019, where I got almost 15,000 votes with no money. And I will continue to support them in 2023. Uh, the only thing that I wish was on here and is not, is if there was a guarantee that these were not be turned into short-term rentals and Airbnbs. Um, there should be some kind of criteria on that in the future. But in regards to this um, item, I'm in full support of, thank you. Thank you very much. That concludes our speakers. Are there questions from members of council on council bill 23-0032? Councilman Flynn. Uh, thank you, Madam President. Uh, Rob, I read in the uh, staff, in the uh, application, that uh, the uh, applicant representative did a lot of outreach, direct mail to neighbors, to all the uh, covered uh, registered neighbors organizations, but the staff report doesn't reflect whether there was any uh, response, any either support or opposition. Usually the staff report will say there were zero letters in opposition, one in support, uh, but that's not in here. Can you expand on that? Was there any response? from neighbors at all or just none? That's a great question. Yes, yeah, so um, both in the applicants, um, uh, the pre-application stage, the outreach that they did, um, they didn't ind indicate what type of responses they didn't include in those letters as you as you indicated. And then also during the um, uh, our uh, formal public notice, we did not receive any comments okay. from any of the adjacent neighbors um, okay. outside of RNOs and other agencies. Thank you. It's, it's typical in, in a lot of the uh, ADU applications not to get uh, either a support or an opposition, but I just uh, would like to see it reflected in the staff report, uh, you know, whether it's zero or, or not. Thank yes, you. Noted. Thank you. That's all, Madam President. Thank you very much. Uh, seeing no one else in queue, the public hearing is closed. Comments by members of council on Council Bill 23-0032. Councilman Clark. Thank you, Council President. Um, I thank you, staff, for putting this report together. I think this meets the criteria for rezoning and I'll be supporting it tonight and uh, would ask my colleagues to as well. Thank you very much. Mr. Secretary, roll call on Council Bill 23-0032. Black. Aye. Cita Baca. Aye. Clark. Aye. Flynn. Aye. Herndon. Aye. Hines. Aye. Cashman. Aye. Kanich? Aye. Ortega? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Torres? Aye. Mr. Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 11 ayes. 
11 eyes, Council Bill 23-0032 has passed. Thank you very much. Uh, Councilwoman Sawyer, will you please put Council Bill 23-33 on the floor for final passage? I move that Council Bill 23-0033 be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. The required public hearing for Council Bill 23-0033 is open. May we have the staff report? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Once again, Rob Haig with CPD. I'm going to be uh, providing an overview of the rezoning request at 1100 South Vine Street uh, from USUC to USUC1. And I'm going to do my best not to mix up those B1s and C1s. <laughs> um, all right. So this property is located in Council District 6 in the Washington Park Statistical Neighborhood. And the request here uh, for this property is, again, for USUC1. The property is located uh, at the corner of Vine Street and Mississippi Avenue. Um, it's approximately 6,300 square foot uh, zone lot. And again, the request is simply to add the, uh, the accessory dwelling unit, accessory building form and use, um, and all of the other building form and use standards will remain the same. Uh, the current zone district on the subject property as well as in the surrounding area is USUC. Uh, the outlier here is the uh, Old South Gaylord uh, Main Street Corridor, which is zone UMS2, as well as a few uh, old code, uh, former Chapter 59 planned unit developments uh, uh, scattered throughout the neighborhood. Land use on the subject property and predominantly in the surrounding area is single unit residential, again with this outlier, um, the Old South Gaylord uh, Main Street Corridor. Um, and Washington Park is located uh, five blocks uh, to the west of the subject property. Uh, this slide shows the character of the subject property as well as some of the surrounding area. Uh, the photo in the top left shows the subject property and the, the residence that was recently constructed uh, on that site. Uh, the image in the top right uh, shows an aerial view of the Old South Gaylord Main Street Corridor. Uh, and the photo in the bottom right shows a few residences that are characteristic of the area. Um, again, all informa informational uh, and required notices were sent. Uh, public signs, public notice signs were posted. Uh, the planning board public meeting uh, resulted uh, in also affording a, um, a recommendation of approval. Um, during this process, uh, um, uh, later in this process, we received uh, actually three comments. One came in uh, at about 4.45, so I'll summarize that one here as well. Um, the two comments received in opposition uh, of, the, uh, of the proposal um, indicate concerns about the size of the residence. Um, and how that might be related to the accessory dwelling unit, um, as well as concerns about how the accessory dwelling unit uh, might not provide affordable housing and could be used as a short or long-term rental in the future. Uh, the third comment that came in this afternoon was similar to the, the first and also had uh, concerns about the, the size of the, um, of the residence and how that might be related to the accessory dwelling unit located within. Denver Zoning Code has five criteria uh, when used, or used when evaluating uh, these proposals. Uh, the first is the consistency with adopted plans. We have two uh, adopted plans that are applicable for the subject property uh, here, which is Comprehensive Plan 2040 and Blueprint Denver. Uh, I'll start with Blueprint Denver. Um, similar uh, request to the last one, so similar uh, uh, plan guidance here. Uh, uh, Comprehensive Plan 2040 um, uh, directs us to create a greater mix of housing options um, in every neighborhood for all individuals and family. Um, and promoting infill development where infrastructure and services are already in place uh, by redeveloping the property with a potential accessory dwelling unit. Um, it does create that greater mix of housing options when again, as we saw, there's predominantly single unit uses um, in, this, uh, in this area. 
uh, Blueprint Denver is the next plan we're going to take a look at. The first map here uh, shows the future neighborhood context. And in this case, again, it's an urban future neighborhood context. And within the urban future neighborhood context, the future place type is low residential. Uh, these areas are described as having predominantly single and two unit uses with accessory dwelling units being appropriate. Uh, future street types here, Mississippi is a residential collector and uh, Vine Street is an undesignated or local. Uh, growth area strategy map designates this property as being all other areas of the city, uh, wherein 10% of housing, uh, or excuse me, 10% of job growth and 20% of new housing growth by 2040 is expected. Uh, Blueprint Denver also has uh, this language uh, from, from their policies and strategies, uh, states that uh, or provides guidance to uh, diversify housing choice through the expansion of accessory dwelling units throughout all residential areas. Um, and it's, it states that until a holistic approach is in place, individual rezonings to enable accessory dwelling units in all residential areas, especially where proximate to transit, are appropriate. Staff finds that the rezoning is also um, uh, in conformance with these next two criteria and that the proposed USUC1 zone district will be uniform with other USUC1 zone districts throughout the city. Um, and that the, the proposal furthers public health, safety and welfare uh, predominantly through the implementation of our adopted plans, uh, but also providing this additional uh, housing unit in a way that's diverse from, from uh, what is predominantly found in the area um, and is also close to the uh, mixed use corridor on Old South Gaylord. Justifying circumstance uh, is uh, a city adopted plan um, in that the proposed or the existing USUC zone district was, uh, uh, was established prior to the adoption um, of the two citywide plans that provide strong guidance to, uh, to implement the ability to construct accessory dwelling units in all areas of all residential areas of the city. Um, and finally, uh, staff finds the proposal is consistent with the neighborhood context zone district purpose and intent statements. Um, and based on the criteria for review in the Denver zoning code, uh, as outlined in this presentation in the staff report, uh, staff recommends approval of official map amendment application 2022 I-00149. Thank you. That concludes staff's presentation. Thank you so much, Rob. We have one individual signed up to speak um, this evening and uh, that is Jesse Paris joining us on Zoom. Yes, good evening members of council, those watching at home, those in the council chambers. My name is Jessica Sean Paris, and I'm representing for Black Star Action Movement for Self-Defense, Positive Action Commitment for Social Change, as well as the Unity Party of Colorado, the East Denver Residence Council, Frontline Black News, Chewbacca's Black Experience Enhanced, and I will still be the next mayor of Denver in 2023. And I reside in Christopher Herndon's district of District 8 at the Fusion Studios. Um, <clears throat> I'm in support of this rezoning tonight. I do have concerns as, as addressed in the staff report, however, about this process and if it's being followed up on at a later time. Um, since you enacted these ADUs, has there been a process to review them and determine if they are being used as short and long-term rentals and Airbnbs and whatever other thing these occupants decide to do with the property that you allow to be rezoned currently. So in the near future, and don't steal my ideas because I love to steal my ideas, there needs to be a um, something added to this process to guarantee that there's a review that's happening, to guarantee that these are not being used as 
the uh, opposition letter stated as short and long-term rentals. That is the concern of not only myself, but of the, of the voters of Denver. So um, I'm in full support of this rezoning tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are there questions from members of council on Council Bill 23-33? Okay, seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Comments by members of council on Council Bill 23-33. Councilman Cashman? Yeah, thank you, Madam President. I agree with staff report that this uh, application meets the legal criteria for a rezoning, so I will be in support this evening. Thank you. Thank you very much. Seeing no one else in queue, Mr. Secretary, roll call on Council Bill 23-33. Black? Aye. Cedabaca? Aye. Clark? Aye. Flynn? Aye. Herndon? Aye. Hines? Aye. Cashman? Aye. Knich? Aye. Ortega? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Mr. Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 11 ayes. 11 ayes. Council Bill 23-33 has passed. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Councilwoman Sawyer, will you please put Council Bills 23-58 uh, on the floor for final passage and 59? No, just 58. I yep, Madam President, just want to clarify, we are going to do them separately. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So I move that Council Bill 23-0058 be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you very much. And just an announcement, it's my intent to amend Council Bill-23-59 to allow certain projects that are currently under review by community planning and development and located in the area to be rezoned by this ordinance to be processed without applying the regulations of the Design Overlay 8 district. Um, those... Five projects in total um, are included in this amendment, Councilman Clark and I, um, sensitive folks who have already brought a project proposal to the city um, some nearly a year ago, um, and have we've assessed with CPD the details of their project and understand that they are only minimally or not at all out of compliance with the proposed overlay. Um, they are either in site development or close to that stage and don't wanna force them to start over. Um, we offer an amendment tonight with a window that allows them to continue forward in their process um, and don't feel it'll have significant impact on the intention of design overlay eight. Um, because council bill 23-58, which changes the overlay district needs to be voted on first, we'll vote on council bills 58 and 59 separately but we will have a combined public hearing. Um, the public can speak to this proposed amendment if they choose or either of the bills and council members can ask questions on both bills. If that's clear as mud, I totally understand. Um, the combined required public hearing for council bills 23-58 and 23-59 is open. Speakers may address either or both bills. May we have the staff report? Yes, thank you, council president. Um, I'm Libby Adams with Community Planning and Development, and I'll be presenting this map and text amendment. So as I just said, this presentation will cover both a text amendment and a map amendment. The text amendment is sponsored by council members Torres, Cedabaca, and Clark. And then, um, um, and that will update the design overlay eight, the active centers and corridors design overlay, and expand the replacement of mobile home units and non-conforming mobile home parks. 
And then the MAP amendment is sponsored by council members Torres and Clark and will rezone Main Street properties along Santa Fe Drive and 8th Avenue in the Lincoln Park and Baker neighborhoods to apply the DO8. So first I'll go through some information on the text amendment and then we'll discuss the MAP amendment and then I'll finally go through the criteria for both of them. Um, so CPD often bundles um, multiple changes into one text amendment. Um, the purpose of this particular amendment is to clean up code regulations for clarity, to improve efficiency, and provide the fastest process for advancing both of these changes. So I'll now discuss um, the changes for the DO8. So currently under the urban center and suburban districts, um, they both allow a reduction in the upper story setback for structures greater than five stories or 70 feet if the building is placed zero feet from the primary street zone lot line. So the regulation would not apply to properties under the design overlay A designation because the DO8 requires a two foot primary street setback. And then the second issue that is proposed to change is that currently property owners are permitted to determine the primary street zone lot line for properties with an underlying zone district of MX where the zoning administrator determines the primary zone lot line for properties with an underlying zone district of MS or Main Street. Um, so this became an issue at 46 and Tennyson where the applicant chose to make the primary street 46th Avenue rather than Tennyson, um, which would require the elevated design standards and the active ground floor uses. Um, so the DO8 standards are really intended for a main street such as Tennyson and not a side street. So as a result of the issues listed on the last slide, the first will update, the first update will permit a reduction for the upper story setback. This is a reduction from 20 feet to 15 feet for buildings taller than five stories or 70 feet when the structures are placed at the minimum primary street setback. So this would include properties in the DO8 that are placed two feet from the primary property line. Secondly, the update authorizes the zoning administrator to determine which street is designated to be the primary street for corner lots for all properties that have the DO8 designation. And then the map on this slide shows where the DO8 is currently mapped. Um, so these changes will apply to the properties outlined in blue, as well as the additional properties that are proposed along Santa Fe tonight. Um, and I will mention this is mention, um, missing one with the rezoning of the Park Hill Golf Course there is on a, the future 38th connection um, also has the DO8 designation. Um, so now the second portion of the text amendment is around expanding the replacement of mobile home units and non-conforming mobile home parks. Denver currently has five mobile home parks located in districts three, seven, and nine, which you can see the locations for on the map on the left. And the Denver zoning code allows these parks to continue operating as a non-conforming use. So currently the code prohibits the replacement of mobile home units built before 1976 with newer units that are certified by HUD. So this regulation can result in the displacement of residents when they want to replace a unit that has become unsafe or unlivable. And the proposed update will allow for older mobile home units to be replaced with newer units that meet federal manufactured home construction safety standards the replacement unit is proposed to be up to one story. Um, additionally, the amendment removes the requirement for building separation standards from the zoning code and instead relies on the building and fire codes to set those requirements. 
And then it also removes the prohibition on permanent foundation. So the type of foundation will be determined by a soil analysis required at the time of permitting. So now I'll move to the rezoning, which proposes to rezone properties in the Lincoln Park and Baker neighborhoods to include the design overlay eight. So the map amendment is located in districts three and seven. The council members are requesting to rezone about 270 properties along Santa Fe Drive and 8th Avenue to include the active centers and design or in corridors design overlay. Um, the DO8 will apply a more pedestrian oriented street level design standards and ensure that non-residential uses remain in these traditional commercial areas. The existing zoning is Main Street in the urban center and urban neighborhood context with stories up to three, five, and eight. Um, and then the billboard and adult use overlays also exist along most of the corridor. The state capital view plane is applicable to properties along Santa Fe between 12th and 13th avenues. This results in a building height limit ranging from 126 to 128 feet. Um, this range of heights generally exceeds the allowable maximum height for both current and proposed districts and therefore will not impact the rezoning. Esto no impactará la razonificación. The existing land uses include industrial, commercial, retail, office, mixed use, residential, parking, um, and then vacants and vacant properties. So here are images from within the proposed rezoning with examples from both Lincoln Park and the Baker neighborhoods. And then here are some images from the surrounding area. And then this slide shows um, some of the mobile home parks. The La Alma Lincoln Park neighborhood began discussions for the rezoning on the Santa Fe corridor in 2017 with outreach done in 2018. Then in 2022, the council offices hosted virtual public meetings, office hours, and town hall meetings. And this map amendment application was complete at the end of November and planning board unanimously recommended approval of the rezoning and text amendment on January 4th. Letters of support from the La Alma Lincoln Park Neighborhood Association, Santa Fe Business Improvement District and Denver's Art District on Santa Fe were submitted with the application. Um, and no letters from the public have been received for the map and text amendment um, throughout the process. Because this rezoning is legislative, it is only subject to the three review criteria shown here. And the text amendment is also subject to these same three criteria. So I'll discuss them together. Um, there are several plans um, that are applicable to this rezoning and text amendment. Um, I won't go over the strategies in the comprehensive plan, um, but you can find more about that in the staff report. So I'll just discuss the subsequent three plans. So Blueprint Denver maps the Santa Fe and 8th Avenue corridors as the urban center, general urban, and urban context. All of these contexts have mixed use areas with street activation consistent with the DO8 that is proposed. The proposed zone districts are also consistent with the future places mapping of this area as community corridor and local corridor, which are mixed use places oriented along a street. And then both Santa Fe and 8th Avenue are designated as Main Street arterials, which are characterized by pedestrian oriented buildings and active street level uses. And the DO8 requires active ground floor uses and has elevated design standards consistent with the blueprint street type. And then under the blueprint growth strategy, areas including the subject property are expected to see 10 to 20% of job growth 
and 20 to 25% of housing growth by 2040. And the DO8 requires commercial uses for portions of the ground floor consistent with the growth strategy. And the text and map amendments are also consistent with strategies in Blueprint Denver. Um, so policy four of the land use and built form section on design quality and preservation um, discusses ensuring an active pedestrian environment that provides a true mixed use character in centers and corridors. And then policy 11 of the land use and built form general section provides guidance to implement plan recommendations through larger scale legislative rezonings and city led text amendments both of which these are. And then policy one of the land use and built form housing section focuses on revising city regulations to respond to the demands of Denver's unique and modern housing needs, which the mobile home portion of the text amendment will do. And then all text amendments and large map amendments should be guided by the equity concepts. So Lincoln Park is less equitable when it comes to access to healthcare, has lower life expectancy and greater childhood obesity than Denver as a whole. Um, and Baker is less equitable in terms of, terms of access to transit and centers and corridors, and also has greater access to, or greater childhood obesity. So the proposed overlay and changes to the DO8 will increase access to opportunity by ensuring any new development includes non-residential uses that contribute to jobs, services, and amenities in this area. And then the text amendment allowing the replacement of mobile home units will likely have little impact on the access to opportunity score as it will not introduce any new commercial uses. However, it will increase the likelihood that residents may remain in ex existing mobile home parks, which may have more access to amenities than if they were to displace to a park farther outside of the city. Lincoln Park is more vulnerable based on the three indicators seen on the slide and Baker's less vulnerable scoring as not vulnerable um, on the three items. So for areas that score as more, more vulnerable to involuntary displacement such as Lincoln Park, we also look at supplemental data to help inform this score. So Lincoln Park has a lower median household income, but saw a greater increase than citywide, showing that some displacement may already be occurring Baker and Lincoln Park have similar percentages of residents with a disability as the city, but Lincoln Park has seen a significant decrease, showing that some residents with a disability may have already been displaced from the neighborhood. And then both neighborhoods saw greater increases in residential property tax than citywide, which could lead to displacement of residents. And the map amendment and updates to the DO8 do not include a development proposal, but all new development will be subject to the city's expanding housing affordability requirements, which were adopted in 2022. Additionally, city council passed the Department of Housing Stability's prioritization policy, which provides households at risk or who have been displaced from their neighborhood with priority access to newly developed or preserved housing. So these new policies will help prevent displacement in the Lincoln Park and Baker neighborhoods. And then the changes to the mobile home unit replacement regulations will allow new units to replace older unsafe units and existing non-conforming mobile home parks, which are a source of unsubsidized, naturally occurring affordable housing in the city. So this text amendment will help keep residents in place, preventing involuntary displacement. And then for housing diversity, Lincoln Park is seen as less diverse based on missing middle housing, home size, um, ownership compared to rental rates, and then housing costs, whereas Baker is more diverse and only scores as less diverse on the number of income restricted units. 
So the DOA text amendment and map amendment, again, don't contemplate any specific development, um, but the city's new housing affordability requirements will bring more affordable units to this area, particularly south of 6th Avenue, um, which does lack income restricted units. And then the mobile home unit text amendment will increase flexibility for the continued use of mobile home parks as naturally occurring affordable housing, which will help maintain the existing housing diversity in the city. And then this last map shows the mix of jobs in areas of the city. North of 11th Avenue has a similar job mix as the city, and the southern section has an emphasis on retail jobs. The DOA text amendment and proposed overlay will create new opportunities for employment because of the requirement for a portion of the ground floor to be non-residential uses. And then the mobile home text amendment will have little or no impact on the jobs diversity in the city since it focuses on housing regulations. So now for the La Alma Lincoln Park neighborhood plan, which applies only to the map amendment and includes properties north of 6th Avenue and identifies the properties along Santa Fe and the western portion of 8th Avenue as the main street character area. These areas have a mix of uses and support a pedestrian scaled commercial forms and uses consistent with the DOA designation. And then the plan designates the eastern portion of 8th Avenue as the residential character area. These areas preserve existing neighborhood character and enhance the quality of life for residents by maintaining current residential density and supporting a diverse population. So the proposed DOA will not change any of the underlying zone districts, which will support a diverse population and maintain the existing residential density. And then the Baker neighborhood plan is only applicable to the map amendment um, and more specifically the property south of 6th Avenue. And Santa Fe is within the commercial corridor subarea, which encourages a mix of land uses that are stable, safe, and attractive, consistent with the DOA. And this text and map amendment will result in uniform regulations applicable to all new development within the DOA and Denver's mobile home parks. And the proposed text and map amendment will further the public health, safety, and general welfare by allowing implementation of Blueprint Denver. Additionally, the proposed rezoning will encourage more pedestrian-oriented outcomes and preserve the commercial nature of embedded local and community corridors. And then the proposed mobile home text amendment will reduce the risk of displacement by allowing residents of mobile home parks to place their homes, to replace their homes with newer HUD-compliant models. So given the finding that all review criteria have been met, staff recommends approval of both the text amendment and the map amendment. And that finally concludes my presentation. Happy to answer any questions. Well done, Libby, thank you. We have 16 folks signed up to speak this evening. I'm gonna call the first speakers that are participating virtually. Um, and after those speakers, we'll call the next that are participating in person. If you're here in person, after your name is called, um, make, please make your way to the front bench. Um, y si necesita interpretación, avísenos si hago una pausa uh, después de algunas frases para la interpretación, okay? Okay, um, we will start online with um, Alma Urbano. Give me one second, I'm moving away from another computer. But my name is Alma Urbano and I'm here with the Longview Mobile Home Park Tenant Association as community organizer. 
um, and also as co-director of the GES Coalition. And I think my camera will go away when I do comments, but we're here to support the text amendment and allow the repairs of mobile homes. Specifically, we work with the mobile home park community at Longview on Steel and 52nd. And that's home, as an example, home to 50 families, all of whom are central to community of Swansea. They use uh, the transportation, the access to the schools, the park, and contribute to the Denver economy in more ways than one. Um, that shouldn't be the only reason to support mobile home parks in Denver and hopefully be allowable in the future but they're definitely a big contribution to the community. Um, so we definitely support, con continuing to help the mobile home park communities in Denver, especially uh, because they allow low, very low income families, specifically immigrant and Latino families. So that's why we're here too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker joining us on Zoom is Imelda Garcia. Hola, buenas tardes. Mi nombre es Imelda García. Good evening. My name is Imelda García. Represento la Asociación de Anquilinos del Parqueadero de Casas Móviles de Longview. I represent, I represent the Association of Mobile Homes of Longview. De las 52 Estío Suancia. Ahí tenemos 52 familias. La mayoría son latinos, personas que hablan en español. We have a representation for 52 families, of which the majority are uh, Spanish-speaking families. Yo tengo 17, 17 años viviendo allí. Es muy importante poder arreglar nuestras trailas porque allí vivimos con nuestros niños. I have been living here for 17 years. It's very important for us to be able to repair our homes because we live there with our children. Y es el único lugar donde podemos vivir en Denver. Tenemos acceso, a, tienen acceso a las escuelas, a los camiones transportes, parques. Por favor, queremos que apoyen a las trailas para que sean, si queremos que sean parte del, del futuro de Denver. Y esperamos que esto sea un paso hacia eso. And, and this is the only place we can afford to live in Denver. We have access to school public transportation parks, and we hope that this uh, moves, moves forward along the future of Denver. If you want mobile homes to be part of, of, the, of, of the city of Denver in the future. Okay, muchas gracias. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Imelda. Our next speaker joining us on Zoom is Jesse Paris. Yes, good evening, members of council, those watching at home, those in the council chambers. My name is Jesse LaShawn Paris, and I'm representing for Black Star Action Movement for Self-Defense, Positive Action Commitment for Social Change, as well as the Unity Party of Colorado, the East Denver Residence Council, Frontline Black News, Shabaka's Black Experience Enhanced, and I will be the next mayor of Denver in 2023. And I reside in District 8 at the Fusion Studios in Christopher Herndon's district. Um, Seeing that the GS uh, coalition and other uh, entities um, that I worked with in the past are in support of the text amendment, I'm in full support of that. Um, this is a much needed 
thing to occur because we have a housing crisis and we don't want to add to it. So any opportunity that we have to keep people in their homes where they're at and not displace them, we need to take advantage of. So I'm in full support of this uh, rezoning tonight. Um, thank you to all the speakers. Um, your word is much appreciated. Thank you very much. Um, our next speaker signed up is Renee Martinez Stone. We see you in attendees. If you can accept the promotion, uh, we will. There we go. Hello. Yes. Go ahead, Renee. Thank you. Um, my name is Renee Martinez Stone and I work at 1035 Osage Street with the Denver Housing Authority. The moratorium that council passed has provided temporary relief for over 300 families in Denver. I want to speak in favor of the Sedoni Cone and MAP amendment change in front of you this evening. In West Denver specifically, we have seen 8,500 families displaced in West Denver following a real estate transaction on their property where they rent or where they own. We have seen additionally that 10,000 households are doubled up. That is 50% of the total of all households. There are in addition 11,000 affordable units that we are short to help house residents that currently reside in West Denver. We must build affordable housing as much as we can. We must preserve affordable housing and we must support homeowners to invest in their homes and in their properties. But we must also innovate our policies, our solutions, and our willingness to take what has worked in the past, what provides safe homes for many families, and innovate that and move it forward. Um, and I believe we are doing so um, with this zoning code amendment. Thank you for the chance to speak tonight. Thank you very much. Our next speaker joining us on Zoom is Stefka Fanchi. Thank you, Council President and members of City Council. I'm Stefka Fanchi, CEO of Elevation Community Land Trust, and we're located at 1114 West 7th Avenue. I'm here in support of both bills before you tonight, and I wanted to address the importance of our attention to mobile home parks. ECLT employs the acquisition and development of diverse housing types to meet the local needs of communities and to provide upward mobility for households who would otherwise be locked out of the opportunity to build wealth through homeownership. As Elevation scales its model and expands its footprint, the organization continues to contemplate the unique needs and challenges faced across the state. One of those challenges is a critical puzzle within the affordable housing landscape. Colorado's mobile home parks. Mobile home parks are often substandard but cash flowing investments with a business model that is designed to trap residents in poverty housing. This runs directly counter to ECLT's model of community controlled shared equity wealth building. Still, mobile home residents share much in common with most first time home buyers. They're seeking a little bit of Colorado to call their own, to stabilize their housing and provide promise for their families. 
But at an average AMI of 40 to 60%, there are no other opportunities for ownership and for the stability and wealth creation that it brings. Elevation Community Land Trust recognizes the critical need to provide a bridge between rental and ownership so that families can realize the fullness of opportunity. In order to offer a solution that complements um, the resident-owned communities model and other stabilization efforts, ECLT has designed what we call PARC, um, Permanently Affordable Reimagined Communities. In May 2022, we partnered with a resident co-op to purchase the Westside Mobile Home Park in Durango in La Plata County, which is home to 40 mobile home parks that are critical to housing local workforce. Here in Denver, there are only five parks left, with many more having been purchased and closed, displacing scores of families. These five parks house over 300 families who have been left to exist in the shadows with no ability to upgrade their homes and without proper zoning, which would allow a path for future preservation. In West Denver, Elevation Community Land Trust is a partner in creating a full spectrum of housing, and the three parks in our communities deserve attention and support. The moratorium council passed in November provides only temporary relief. It's critical that zoning and financial support come next. This step is an important one to ensuring mobile home park residents can live with dig dignity and affordability, and that there is a path toward community ownership and preservation and away from displacement. Thank you. Thank you. Um, our next grouping of uh, speakers are in chambers. Uh, we'll start with Ann Gwynn. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Ann Gwynn. I serve as chair of the Planning and Development Com Committee for the Long and Lincoln Park Neighborhood Association and as an advisory board member for the Art District on Santa Fe. I've been a resident of Long and Lincoln Park for nearly nine years. I'm here to support the zoning proposal within the Long and Lincoln Park and Baker neighborhood. Um, it's a very exciting day um, for our community to see this on the agenda today. Um, we've been working on this since 2017, a group of business owners, artists, um, residents, and, um, and business owners um, gathered over concerns about several developments proposed for the commercial quarter of Santa Fe Drive in the rapidly changing neighborhood in, in Denver. Santa Fe Drive has a thriving and old and one of the oldest art districts in Denver and has a unique built environment that represents an important cultural presence in Denver. And we feel that the overlay will help keep the character and preserve the historic fabric of this neighborhood. Since then, since 2017, the community went through different iterations of how an overlay would achieve um, and address our concerns. With many public meetings and working closely with CPD and council members and their team, we felt that adopting this overlay would be best effective to support the neighborhood quality of life, economy, a vibrant Main Street, and create consistency in our Main Street corridors within Denver. Thank you so much for your time and support. Thank you. Our next speaker in chambers is Esther Sullivan. Hi, 
Um, I'm Esther Sullivan. Um, I'm a resident of Denver on Washington Street. I'm a professor at the University of Colorado, Denver. I'm uh, the author of about a dozen publications related to manufactured housing. And I'm the author of the book, Manufactured Insecurity, Mobile Home Parks, and Americans Tenuous Right to Place. Um, I'm gonna, I wanna speak in favor of this proposed mobile home amendment. Manufactured housing is one of our nation's, well, it is our nation's largest naturally occurring source of affordable housing. And more than just providing affordable shelter for, for owners and renters, it is a primary route to low-income homeownership. So one out of every five first-time low-income home buyers is purchasing a manufactured home. 70% of all homes sold under $175,000 are manufactured homes. Um, so when we lose this important source of affordable housing, when we lock in uh, these, these communities into not being able to replace this much older pre-HUD code manufactured housing stock, we basically, yeah, we, we lock them into losing this affordable housing stock. And that housing stock really can't be replaced with anything else. Workforce housing, even housing that's at 30% AMI, it doesn't come close to the affordability, the affordability levels uh, provided by manufactured housing. Um, you know, scholars that study manufactured housing uh, know that planning, zoning especially, is complicit in the segregation and marginalization of manufactured housing. That's clear. But even, you know, in my book, I've studied over a century of planning and zoning policies. And I've never come across an ordinance like this where you can't replace an older model manufactured home with a newer model. Most jurisdictions, they want to replace that pre-HUD code housing because it's really problematic. And you know, the HUD code, when it was instituted, this is the only national federally based performance-based code. All other housing is built to local building right? And this is a really interesting, innovative housing stock that is built to this, this federal uh, performance-based code. So when we don't allow that housing stock, we, we lose the innovation and the opportunities for sustainability, affordability, all the things that come, come with uh, modern day manufactured housing. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Our next speaker in chambers is Jack Reutzel. Thank you. Good evening. Um, Jack Reitzel, 1801 California Street, Suite 2600, Denver 80202. I learned a long time ago never to follow a professor, so um, my comments will be brief. I represent the owner of one of the five business parks in Denver. It is in the, uh, the President Torres's district. I want to just let, let you know this process began um, 10 years ago when the Denver zoning code was amended to prohibit the replacement of a mobile home with a manufactured home, a practice that before that amendment was relatively typical and routine. This prohibition affected the owners of units because there was no opportunity to upgrade their home to something newer and safer while still living in the community where they raise their families and are part of the community. In their intervening years, we spoke to many of you um, including all of you that have mobile home parks in your district. And we were uh, con consistently and constantly encouraged to pursue this. We thank each and every one of you for your support. 
By approving this amendment, the city will once again allow homeowners the opportunity to upgrade and to replace their unit should they wish to do so. While mobile home manufactured home communities are not a large part of Denver's housing stock, it should not be forgotten and should be one arrow in your affordable housing quiver. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Our next speaker in chambers is Felix Herzog. Also speaking on the Santa Fe design overlay as a resident rather than a neighborhood association president today, just because I think you have submitted a letter in support of the neighborhood association, but I think as a resident, we perceive the Santa Fe art walk to be slightly different than we do as a neighborhood organization necessarily. So my husband is legally blind. Uh, we usually make a point of walking down the Santa Fe art walk about once a month or so on first Fridays and use the galleries otherwise and have a really, really good time enjoying that place. And I think the proposed design over there effectively ensures that rather than building up on both sides of Santa Fe and creating this very, very fancy thoroughfare with big businesses and everything as nice as we can make it, as big as we can make it, as tall as we can make it, use a sense of community. So I think the design overlay is there to effectively help us in part keep Santa Fe Drive approachable, keep Santa Fe Drive walkable, and make sure that we can kind of keep the feel of that neighborhood. So, I mean, Santa Fe Drive is in part in the Armour Lincoln Park, and the Armour is also the soul. So I think that keeping Santa Fe approachable and ensuring that the drive is walkable kind of helps that neighborhood keep its soul as well. So I really appreciate the support and thank you so much. Thank you. Our next speaker in chambers is Bethany Gravel. Good evening, members of city council. My name is Bethany Gravel. I live at 1650 Fillmore Street, Fillmore Street in Council District 9, and I'm here today to share my support for amending the zoning code to allow replacement of units in mobile home parks. I want to thank Council President Torres, Councilwoman C. DeBaca, Councilman Clark, and the team at Denver Community Planning and Development for working together to bring this amendment forward. I reached out to them on behalf of Chad Graves, who operates the Capital City Park in District 3. We shared how Denver zoning policy was impacting manufactured, I'm sorry, mobile home park residents and preventing reinvestment in parks. They listened, they engaged residents and housing advocates, and they brought forward the solution that is before you this evening. As we've heard, mobile home parks provide an affordable housing option for 300 Denver households. This amendment will provide a path for reinvestment in parks and permit opportunities for residents to live in newer, safer, more energy efficient HUD certified manufactured homes. We cannot afford to lose this housing resource. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker in chambers is David Griggs. Thank you, city council members. Uh, my name is David Griggs. I live at 715 Galapago Street. Um, I've been involved with the Law Lincoln Park Neighborhood Association for, gosh, a long time, about 20 some years. And um, it's a city of Denver RNO representing people of Law Lincoln Park. Um, 
Our partners for our design overlay process, which has been going on for six years now, uh, include the Art District on Santa Fe, the Santa Fe Bid, the Denver Community Planning and Development, the Baker neighborhood, and thanks to Councilwoman Torres and Councilman Clark, um, I have been involved in this process for a couple of reasons. One is to preserve cultural heritage in our significant neighborhood, and the other is to sustain our thriving art district. Um, as you know, Santa Fe Drive represents an important piece of Denver's history and a very significant part of Denver's cultural heritage. Uh, in addition, um, the art district has offered opportunities for small businesses, for artists, for galleries, and so forth. And the reason I'm involved with the design overlay is to make sure that those opportunities, because of the built environment of the district, are still available for all those businesses, artists, and galleries. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next uh, speaker in chambers is uh, Cameron Netherland. Good evening, my name is Cameron Netherland. I'm a tenants rights attorney working with 95 Colorado. We've been working alongside residents of Capital City Mobile Home Park in Westwood, uh, trying to help them purchase their park and make it resident owned. I'm here in support of, uh, support of both changes and will testify to the need of, uh, for home replacement and encourage continued work to make sure mobile home park residents in the city are able to stay in their homes. Uh, each of Denver's five remaining mobile home parks um, currently operate with significant nonconformity with the zoning code and the level of renovation required to eliminate nonconformity would substantially reduce the number of units available in parks and be a greater financial lift than the parks can afford. In practice, this means that while parks can continue to exist in their current condition, they cannot be updated in a way that new prospective residents will have interest in purchasing homes in the parks. Uh, on the financial side, that also means that land only uh, appreciates with respect to its redevelopment potential, incentivizes private uh, owners to sell the parks to developers uh, rather than continue to operate them as mobile home parks. It means displacement of those communities. Uh, as currently implemented, the code is a forced phasing out of mobile home parks by preventing them from making the changes needed to perpetuate their existence. The proposed language would allow for the replacement of mobile home park or mobile homes provided they do not exacerbate any existing nonconformity. This is an important first step in ensuring this major source of affordable housing can continue to function and work towards greater sustainability. Uh, it is also sensible from a health and safety perspective. As older nonconforming homes are replaced, newer, safer homes can be added. Beyond that, uh, where new homes are smaller than those currently on a lot, non-conforming setback distances can be increased and lots may be opened up in a way that parks can gradually change layouts and improve their overall safety. Uh, this means that over time, a park could get up to code. But that process is one that requires gradual change. Uh, well, I encourage continued work in this area, including considering what can be done to make sure home replacement is practically possible uh, in parks with existing non-conformity under the building code. Um, this change is essential to making our community sustainable and preventing mass displacement. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Um, our next speaker in chambers is Eduardo Castaneda. Y Eduardo necesita traducción. Sí, okay, gracias. Gracias. Muy buenas tardes, señores concejales. 
a toda la audiencia. Mi nombre es Eduardo Castañeda. Tengo viviendo 16 años. Si puede pasar un poquito, ok. Good, good evening to all the uh, council people. My name is Eduardo. I've been living here for 16 years. En las casas móviles que se encuentran en el 4501 de la avenida Kentucky. On the mobile home park at 6501 Kentucky Avenue. Mi trabajo actual es en la construcción, la construcción de hospitales, universidades, escuelas, pasar inspecciones con el condado de Denver. My current job is in construction. I build schools, universities, hospitals to pass inspections on at, in these uh, sites. Actualmente soy el presidente de la comunidad de casas móviles. Currently I am the president of the mobile home council. Montevista, en la que todos los residentes participamos de nuestro trabajo en el condado de Denver. The, the Montevista Council, where all the residents participate in the, with their job um, in the county of Denver. Nuestra comunidad Montevista tiene retos y se mueve, y se mueve hacia el futuro. The community in Montevista Monte has challenges, but we move towards the future. Las, las familias que actualmente somos residentes son unos 76 casas. The current cuales, resident are 60, uh, 67 uh, families, six, 67 homes. En las cuales hay niños que asisten a las escuelas de la comunidad. Which uh, we have children that, ex that attend the local public schools. Niños con, con capacidades diferentes, discapacitados y veteranos de guerra de los Estados Unidos. Uh, we have children with different capabilities. We have children with uh, disabilities. And we even have uh, adults that are war veterans. La comunidad de Westworld, Morrison Road, tiene su historia dentro de Denver. Community of Westward uh, has its history inside of Denver, within Denver. Les pedimos seguir siendo historia dentro de nuestro condado. We, we ask you to, con, to continue creating history within our county. Por lo cual solicitamos de manera más atenta a ustedes, señores concejales, la enmienda de texto So that's why we ask in a more careful manner from all you council people, uh, the amendment to this text. Que nos permita a los propietarios de las viviendas el reemplazar las casas móviles. To allow the property owners of these mobile homes to replace and repair the mobile homes. De la comunidad Montevista, hacer los cambios de zonificación from this community in Montevista and do the rezoning in the area. Para que nuestra comunidad compre el terreno, porque tenemos la capacidad 
de pagarlo. Because so we can buy the land because we have the capacity, the ability to purchase it. Nosotros, la comunidad montevista, queremos modernizarnos. Here in our community in Montevista, we want to modernize. Que ustedes y Denver con reconozcan nuestro potencial. So that you and the city of Denver can recognize our potential. Nuestras familias requieren de su apoyo. Our families require your support. De lo, de lo cual nosotros tendremos que irnos a otros condados, a otras ciudades, a otros estados. Pero otherwise, somos muy we'll fuertes be, con ustedes. Otherwise, we'll, we'll be forced to go to other country, counties, other cities. That's why we are asking strongly today, here now. Nosotros necesitamos viviendas asequibles. We need affordable housing. Y permanecer en nuestros hogares. So that we can remain in our homes. Nosotros estamos creando una cooperativa en la cual 9 to 5 nos está apoyando. We are creating a cooperative in which 9 to 5 is supporting us. La comunidad Montevista queremos seguir siendo el futuro con ustedes del condado de Denver. The community of Montevista wants to create a future along with you guys in the county of Denver, along with you in the county of Denver. Permítanos realizarlo. Su fallo es muy importante para todo Denver. Denver es la ciudad más importante de los estados de Estados Unidos dentro de la comunidad. Allow us to realize this, for this to come to fruition with you, because Denver Contamos to us is the most important city in the United States. We count on your vote. Contamos con su voto, por favor. Gracias, Eduardo. Para el cambio de esta zonificación. Todos somos Denver. For you, we ask for your vote on this rezoning. We are all Denver. Muchas gracias. Thank you. Thank gracias. Um, uh, la persona que sigue es Ruben Paredes. Y Ruben, ¿necesita traducción? Uh, no. Okay, you're okay without it. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for hearing us. I'm here with my family. I live there. I've been living there for seven years. Um, it's very important for us that you guys help us realize this dream for us as an immigrants from other countries. Um, it's rare the opportunity that we have, but if this if this uh, law doesn't pass, we are not gonna be able to like purchase the the place where we wanna live. My little kid, she was born there. So for us, if we can keep the park, you know, as a part of the Westwood community, is very important for us because um, there is no other opportunities allowed for like um, affordable housing. Denver area is very expensive right now. I work like seven minutes. My kid goes to school three minutes. My wife works Morrison Street. So for us to be there, to stay there is very, very important. So. I help a lot with the translation. I know my English is not that good, but at least I wanna, um, like on the community, I'm like, I, I talk to my neighbors, I help the manager to kind of translate. So that's why I kind of know that everybody wants to stay there. 
They want to be part of, keep being part of Westwood, of Denver. And we love it there. We love the, the area. So I, I ask for you guys to support us, to pass that, um, to modify the lab so we can uh, purchase new homes for everybody there. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Humberto Lopez. Humberto, necesito traducción? Sí, okay, gracias. Buenas tardes, perdón. Aquí estamos juntamente con mis vecinos, venimos de la comunidad de Casas Móviles y nuestra petición pues es pedir ayuda para que nos guíen a dónde poder ir, con las organizaciones, a poder salir de esto. Good afternoon. I'm along here with my neighbors to ask and request the same thing that you help us along with this vote. I've lived there for 30 years. I've raised four children. I've, I've lived there for 30 years. I've raised four children. They are now adults. So we, I am very part of this community. We ask for your vote in this amendment. Thank you. Thank you to all and may God bless you. Gracias, Humberto. And our final speaker is Amanda Anguiano. Y necesita traducción. Okay. Y um, si puedes, haga una pausa después de algunas frases. Okay, gracias. Yo tengo este, 23 años viviendo ahí y me da una tristeza de, de que nos quieran este, quitar. Ahí crecieron mis hijos. I, I've been living here for 23 years and I'm a bit saddened that, that uh, we may be removed. I, I've raised my children here. Estoy muy a gusto viviendo ahí durante 23 años. Trabajo en la construcción. Este, ya nomás estamos mi esposa y yo. Y es una tristeza I, que nos quieran sacar. I, I've, I've lived here for 23 years. I work in the construction. And now with my, my, my children grown up, it is now just me and my wife. So I'm very sad that, that we may be removed. Por eso venimos a pedirles a todos ustedes que nos apoyen, nos ayuden para seguir viviendo ahí porque ya nos estamos haciendo grandes y queremos terminar nuestra viejez ahí. So that's why we come to you today. We continue to age and we would like to continue uh, living here in our older age in this in in, in our residence. Thank you. Pues qué más puedo decir, no, ya sé que todo. Está bien. Well, what what else can I say? That's all. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that concludes our speakers. Are there questions from members of council on either uh, Council Bill 2358 or uh, 2359? Seeing, oh, Councilman Ortega. I wanted to ask a question of the planning department and, um, and this is specific to the trailer park um, changes. So I guess the question is really focused on um, the planning department being completely on board with these changes because I know when I looked into this issue at Jack's request, um, 
gosh, I want to say like five years ago, uh, maybe longer, uh, the planning department just was not at all on board in being part of the conversation. I think there was some expectation maybe that these properties would be used for another purpose in at some point in the future. So I'm just trying to understand um, that the planning department is like completely on board with these changes moving forward. Yeah, I, I mean, we are definitely supportive of these changes, but if you want background, we, I may call up either Jill or Libby um, who have been more involved with the mo mobile home piece of this text amendment. Okay, either one would be fine. Jill's gonna join us up here. Thank you, Jill. Hi, good evening, Jill Jennings Golick, Deputy Director of Community Planning and Development. So I think some things have changed in the last few years. We adopted Blueprint Denver, um, HOST has their strategic plan, and we're really looking at affordable housing across the city. Um, you know, our mobile home parks do represent naturally occurring affordable housing, but there's been a lot of movement at the state because we know, obviously with the unique situation of you own a unit, but you don't own the land underneath you, um, you know, there are impacts to that. But, um, you know, we are supportive of, of trying to figure out a way to have safe housing um, that, that is affordable and supports our community. And so, um, you know, this is one um, really large impediment to replacing units. And so we are, we are supportive of making this change and continuing to work with Council President Torres through the working group identified in the moratorium um, for potentially other modifications as a result. So there were um, a few years ago, an incident that involved a trailer that um, had caught fire. And um, this was at the 48th in York location. And it was actually some residents who lived there that called me because they were concerned that um, somebody was like trying to clean up part of the debris and whatnot. And there was asbestos and other things. So they were concerned about the health of the residents that were still there. So in a case like that, where um, they wanted to replace the trailer because it was no longer usable at all, um, what would be the process today to replace that once this passes? So this is a, a change to our zoning code. And so um, right now prohibit, you know, you can only replace an old unit with a pre-HUD unit. Right. So this would remove that prohibition. Um, there are still requirements from our building and fire code in terms of separation. And it depends on how that new unit is built. Um, so you, there's a five foot between an imaginary property line. It's slightly complicated. So I'll try to make it as simple as possible, but that um, number can be reduced depending on if the new unit has fewer openings, fire rated walls, um, things of that nature. So we would need to see a um, likely a improvement survey for the whole park to kind of understand what we're dealing with. And then the adjacent lots of a unit that wanted to be replaced. And then obviously details about the particular unit being replaced, like size, location, et cetera, to approve a zoning permit. And then we'd need a building permit submittal for the foundation um, for however that foundation is being designed based on the particulars of that unit. Um, and then looking at those, again, separation distances. So if I own my own unit and it caught fire and I want to replace it, I have to make sure the owner is on board to do the work you just described to the, then make sure I could replace it on 
maybe a new slab or help me understand that. When you say step. owner, do you mean owner of the park? Owner of the trailer, not the prop, the property, the land. So in your situation, the unit is being rented by someone else? If I own the unit and I want to replace my unit because it caught fire, mm -hmm. but I'm renting the land where my trailer oh. is. Right, sorry. Um, well, I don't know what particulars there may exist in the land lease um, between the unit owner and the mobile home parks. I can't obviously speak to any of that, um, but we would have to understand what's happening on the adjacent sites in order to figure out the placement um, so an owner sure. would have to then work with, an owner of a unit would have to work with the property owner to provide the details that the city would be asking for to replace that unit. Likely, yes. Okay. All right. That's all I have. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, seeing no one else in queue, the public hearing is closed. Comments by members of council on just 2358. Councilwoman Ortega. It's the text amendment. Make sure your volume, your mic's on as well. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I'm in complete support of this. Um, having worked on this issue going back, um, as I said, several years. And then years, few years after that, dealing with this one particular trailer that caught fire and having to get the um, public health department out there and basically shut down the person who was cleaning it up to make sure they had an asbestos abatement license and they were doing it correct and all of those things. Um, I, I think this is important because this is affordable housing, but we can't have people living in trailers that are falling apart without being able to replace them, whether they own them or whether they're owned by the person who owns the land underneath it, so that we continue to have this part of our housing stock as affordable housing in our city. So I appreciate the work that's been done by Councilwoman Torres, Councilwoman Sedebaca, and Councilman Clark to work with Jack and others to bring this forward and, and finally have the tools needed to address this issue. And then for the um, work with the um, Lincoln Park neighborhood and the Santa Fe corridor, appreciate all the work that's been done on behalf of the Lincoln Park neighborhood to move those changes forward as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Councilwoman Sidabaka. Thank you. I just want to thank my colleagues um, in advance for um, hopefully supporting this, but also my co-sponsors. I have two of the last mobile home parks left in my district and really just feel confused about why we would outlaw any type of housing in a housing crisis. And I think this is one step on the path to creating an actual zone district for this type of housing, which I believe we should do. And so I encourage everybody who was involved tonight to remain involved, uh, continue pushing us. This is the very beginning and um, I'm just thankful that we're here and having a real conversation about it. Thank you. Thank you, Councilman Kanich. 
Thank you, um, Council President. And uh, al principio, gracias a todos que han uh, venido acá para testificar y hablado a nosotros y uh, darnos sus opiniones. Uh, yo, nosotros sabemos que no es fácil a venir aquí. Thank you to everybody who came to share your opinions. We know it's not easy to come here and speak to us. So um, thank you to those who testified. Um, from neighborhoods and um, from the mobile home parks. Um, to my colleagues, I did not think this first step could be done. And yes, there are more, but just kudos to you all for um, uh, taking this on. And I will say that, you know, as the legislative body, I'm grateful that community planning and development did partner. But in some ways, it's okay if we don't always agree, if we um, do have to legislate a little further or faster than sometimes our agencies are comfortable with. That is a piece of the process that the charter allows us to do, um, but it is always helpful and we know that you are the implementer. So I'm grateful when we can um, and, and our colleagues are able to partner. So um, just kudos to those of you who were able to find that breakthrough. Um, because I know it was not easy. So um, just a lot of credit. Um, and I know there is more work ahead and please let us know how we can continue to support you because that building code is tough. And um, you know, that's where, <laughs> that's where my attempt fell uh, flat and I, I threw up the, the flag and, and, and didn't find a way to keep going. So I know that that piece will be tough, but I do not think it makes sense to pretend that the status quo is safer. That's what we have to do. We cannot pretend that the status quo is safer. And that is what the city has been doing for 50 years. <laughs> and so we have to face the truth that modern equipment is safer, no matter how close it is, right? That's the, that's the truth. And we have to deal with the reality, right? And this is, um, we have to deal with reality and, and not fiction. So um, I hope that that can guide us just like it did in this particular conversation. So congratulations to those of you who worked so hard. Gracias también a la comunidad. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll offer um, just a few comments. I'll comment on in this bill on the mobile home park effort. Um, uh, really proud to bring this text amendment board. And certainly this conversation doesn't happen without the prior efforts that have been done by this council, attempted conversations broached. And so um, uh, we, we are constantly building on prior work. So thank you um, for your support. Um, and, and just really the reason we're doing this is because of the voices that we heard tonight. So thank you tonight to all, your, all the speakers um, who talked about the importance of these text changes um, to our zoning code for mobile home parks. Uh, gracias a ustedes por venir um, y dar su voz a uh, estos cambios importantes. Gracias, muchísimas gracias. Um, I am grateful for the support of my colleagues tonight. Um, this is the second step in multiple steps and really grateful for the leadership at CPD and acknowledging um, that this, this was the time to make sure that this happened. So um, thank you everyone. Seeing no one else in queue, uh, Mr. Secretary, roll call on Council Bill 23-58. Black. Aye. Cedabaca. Aye. Clark. Aye. Flynn. Aye. Herndon. Aye. Hines. Aye. Cashman. Aye. Kanich. Aye.
Ortega. Aye. Sawyer. Aye. Madam President. Aye. Mr. Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 11 ayes. 11 ayes. Council Bill 23 58 has passed. Thank you all. Gracias a ustedes. Um, we still have one more bill to vote on. Uh, Councilmember Sawyer, will you please put Council Bill uh, 23 59 on the floor for final passage? I move that Council Bill 23 0059 be placed upon final consideration and do pass. Thank you very much. And that's been moved and seconded. Um, I will uh, briefly announce my intent to amend Council Bill 23 uh, 0059. I move to amend Council Bill 23 59 in the following particulars. On, line, on page three, line six, strike, this ordinance shall be effective March 13th, 2023 and replace with the following. One, except as otherwise provided in this section six, this ordinance shall be effective on March 13th, 2023. Two, the regulations of the, of the DO8 zone district applicable to the property legally described in sections 2-5 above will not apply to an application for a site development plan that one, had a concept site development plan submitted to the Department of Community Planning and Development, CPD, prior to the close of business on February 2nd, 2023. Two, had a concept number assigned by CPD for the site development concept plan prior to the close of business on February 2nd, 2023. And three, obtains site development plan approval by May 17th, 2024. If any of this any of the conditions of this subsection two are not satisfied, then the regulations of the design overlay A8 zone district will apply to the application for a site development plan. Are there questions or comments by members of council? And I will comment first. Uh, the purpose of this amendment is to allow certain projects currently under review by CPD and located in the area on Santa Fe Drive to be rezoned by this ordinance to be processed without applying the regulations of the design overlay eight uh, zone district for a specific time frame. Are there any other council members with comments or questions? Councilman Ortega. Just curious, are there a lot of projects in the pipeline? No, there are five. There are two that are already in site development review um, and there are three in concept plan review and they have been there at least a year okay. um, about a year so they're already working the pretty pretty in depth on their projects great thank you okay seeing no one else in queue uh, mr secretary roll call on the amendment black aye cedar buck aye clark aye flynn aye herndon aye hines aye Cashman? Aye. Kanich? Aye. Ortega? Aye. Sawyer? Aye. Madam President? Aye. Mr. Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 11 ayes. 11 ayes. Council Bill 23-59 has been amended. Councilwoman Sawyer, we need a motion to place upon final consideration and do pass as amended. I move that Council Bill 23-0059 be placed on final consideration and do pass as amended. And that's been moved and seconded. Um, comments by members of council on Council Bill 23-0059. Seeing none, uh, Mr. Secretary, roll call on Council Bill 23-0059. Black, thanks. 
Sudabaka. Aye. Clark. Aye. Lynn. Aye. Herndon. Aye. Hines. Aye. Cashman. Aye. Kanich. Aye. Ortega. Aye. Sawyer. Aye. Torret. Madam, sorry, Madam President. <laughs> Aye. Mr. Secretary, close the voting and announce the results. 11 ayes. 11 ayes. Council Bill 23-0059 has passed. Thank you all very much. Really appreciate you. Um, on Monday, April 3rd, 2023, Council will hold a required public hearing on Council Bill 23-0121, changing the zoning classification for 1085 North Knox Court in Villa Park. A required public hearing on Council Bill 23-0122, changing the zoning classification for 3401 West 29th Avenue and 2945 North Julian Street in West Highland, and a required public hearing on Council Bill 23-0149, changing the zoning classification for 526 South Vine Street in Washington Park. Any protests against Council Bills 23-121, 122, or 149 must be filed with the Council offices no later than noon on Tuesday, March 28, 2023. There being no further business before this body, this meeting is adjourned. Thank you.